months passed, and the war for Ulthuan grew ever more bitter. Few knew what had transpired at the Shrine of Assyrian. They knew only that the temple, indeed, the entire island, had split asunder and slipped into the Sea of Dreams. Even Sea Lord Aislinn, whose ships had bombarded the shrine up until the very last moment, was sure only that the dragons of Kalidor had abruptly ceased their attack. A thick mist had descended as the island had begun to shatter, and even the most keen-eyed lookouts in Aislinn's fleet could not tell if the dragons had spirited any of the besieged away. This angered Aislinn greatly, not least because hundreds of his finest soldiers had been trapped in the shrine as it slipped beneath the waves. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next three or four hours, we're going to do the best we can to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you Kane Part 2 and special guest Chris Tomlin. I'm the other Chris, Chris Yu. And I'm Big D! <laughs> the biggest D. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Very good, did it? Eat a bag of D's. I get it. I got it. Hey, dude, I got to show you guys this later because I'm going to send some to Rotor, I think. There's a place that makes gummies like that, and you could literally send a bag of D's to someone to eat. I found it on the internet. So, Wow, we are just hitting on all cylinders right, up, right away. Right out of the gate. Bringing the heat. Going to open this soda because I need to hydrate. There we go. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Chris. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. Great to be here as always. And that was, uh, yeah, pretty pretty strong start there. Well, Coming you know what? On. I got to keep positive because if I got a little negativity, people, <laughs> right. people are going to lose their damn minds if I got a second negative episode. So, <laughs> well, it's it's fluff. It's the the fun part that uh, brings color to the Warhammer world. And what better way to bring back you know the positive mojo, right? And what yeah. more positive than talking about the god of death and murder? Here we go. Right. So that's it. <laughs> Well, uh, to, to bring in some more Skullbro-isms, um, I think we had you on a suicide watch there for the last episode, so hopefully we can uh, reel it back in. Oh, right. uh, you weren't on the Skype call for paint night last night. That was pretty bad, too, but it's it's going better. Yeah, so. Uh. Hey, you know what? I'm going to be positive. Approximately 90% of the Elven race is about to get wiped out. What could be more positive than that? So, well, well and everything else, too, right? No so kidding, huh? We'll see how that pans out. Yeah, all right. So, hey, should we uh, – well, hey, Chris, we need to thank our sponsors real quick, and then we can jump into it. Indeed. Thank you to Unique Gifts and Games located in – Grays Lake, Illinois. Mersha Miniatures. M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures. Oh, would you like to say it, Mr. Tomlin, since you're the only one who says it correctly? <laughs> yeah, let's get us settled down. I was going to jump in there and I congratulate you on your correct pronunciation of Mersha miniatures. <laughs> oh, so we are correct. Okay, excellent. You are now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a little controversy there. Yeah. Really sure. Well, this one I, I do know how to pronounce. Mantic Games. They're building a bigger armies. And finally, I don't know who's going to do this one, but Battle Foam, protecting your... Little merman action, huh? That's all I got today. Is that That's the, the rumored uh, fishman army. <laughs> for Warhammer. That's good. Well, hey, we're going to... Not only are they only have six armies, but they're gonna, it's going to be... It's going to be Araby, the fishmen. Um, it's going to be Come all on. the armies they never got to do. So that way, all you see that way, it's fair. We throw out all sixteen of our. Everybody throws their armies out and starts fresh. <laughs> right. a few ones. Yeah, we should we should start a rumor right here. There we go. That's, yeah. that's it. That's on. 
it does, <laughs> reset it. It's Arabi Talaya. Rage. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, why, why did you think I did the Nippon Army for my campaign? It's inside an Olet. <laughs> oh, 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 oh nice. I see. There we go. <laughs> That's why there hasn't been any bad dice because Curry knows it's because he's already rage quit. So there's just it's, the, it, the insider info has got them all gone. He said he was um, writing a list of everyone who was who was raging about or saying they weren't going to play on, from Twitter, and then he's going to throw it back in their face six months down the line when they're playing. Okay. I, I'm throwing it out there. I'm planning on playing. I just, you know, I just don't like end times in tournaments. Can we get that straight, people? I'm planning on playing. Yeah. All right. So, hey, should we jump into it? Kane, Chapter 2. Indeed. Kane Reborn, Winter, 2525 to Winter. 2526. Months have passed since uh, since uh, Malekith has stepped into the fire and done the Bernie thing. Hey, how'd you like that at the end of the show? The little crickle, crickle crackles and stuff, huh? Very nice. I really, I really liked that. That was good. I, I was doing that and I was sitting there editing. I could, I was trying to find good screams. They were all these cheesy cartoon screams and I found one and I kept looping it to make it stretch and be longer and I was putting it in there. I'm like, this is either going to be the worst or it's going to be awesome. And people were like, oh, that was great. I was like, yay. And then, yeah, it worked really well. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Wait till next episode. <laughs> 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 All right. So nobody knows what happened at the Shrine of Assyrian except the few people who were there because the dang thing collapsed. Okay. So after 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 uh, Malekith goes through the fire and comes out as the new Phoenix King, the whole thing has collapsed. Um, in fact, none of... Tyrion's forces know what happened either because it was all foggy. Uh, Imric and the dragons were all keeping everyone away from the shrine while this was going on. And all of a sudden, Imric and the dragons just took off and left. And like everyone's like, uh, huh? And there was, uh, the thing, then it collapses. They, they, nobody found any bodies. Nobody knows anything. Um, so this is what's happening. Now, Tyrion is still hurt from the fighting that went on at the end of last episode. Um, but the war is still going on. But he's not leading. He's got, you know, because he's he's wounded. So Imric is doing really well. He's just, you know, he's without Tyrion and the Widowmaker to slow him down, he's kicking all sorts of ass. Uh, he goes anywhere he wants and takes over, except for Nagaroth. He doesn't want to upset the Asenar. Um And I like that. We learned some Elvish. Uh, I actually thought it meant forces of, but later in the book it says Ace means sons of. So the Asenar are the sons of the Anar. So interesting. Yeah. So the Asterian are the sons of Tyrion in that. So you learned some Elvish today. There we go. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, I, hey, we, we've already had, we have Dwarvish almost every episode. Might as well learn some Elvish <laughs> too. Oh, gosh. So, of course, that's not actually Dwarfish. That's just a bad dwarf accent. So, all right. So, um, Imric takes over Tyrannuk, he takes Aetain, uh, they control the Lothurn seaport, and by doing by grabbing the seaport, they've cut them off from the inner sea and the outer sea. You know, does it, okay, did anybody else not quite realize how damn big Ulthuan was? Like, I guess I just pictured the center of it, kind of like Lake Michigan, where, you know... Oh, it's huge, you can way get bigger. The, yeah, I mean, it takes like days to go across this thing. I kind of just pictured it as... Like really large, but not like days to cross. I guess my. Sense- I would think that uh, if you picked up Ulthuan and, and plopped it on Earth, it would pretty much uh, encompass the Pacific Ocean. I, that's how I imagine how big it is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it takes. A t- it, like I said, it said when they were when they were sailing across, 
uh, later in the book. They they took off, and there was like a day later they saw somebody else, and they still sailed. So it takes like two to three days, I think, to cross mm. by boat the that that inner ocean. But by taking over the Lothern Seaport, they've cut um, Aislinn's fleet in half. They've managed to, you know, basically the ones on the inner sea and in the outer sea can't get to each other. So Lockyer Fellhart and Drain Brackblood um, are like, ha we got them each cut in half. So they each took a side and went after them. Um, Divide and conquer, right? Exactly. It's a good plan. Um, let's see. Then Imric just keeps going. Imric's going nuts here. He takes Safari. But he leaves the Tower of Hoth. I like this. The Tower of Hoth is like Switzerland. They're like, yeah, no, we're locking the doors. If you try to come in here, we will we will fight you. But we're not <laughs> we're, we're not picking sides. <laughs> they did. I mean, they're like, you know, they did. They closed their doors and said, listen, we're not taking sides in this. You guys figure it out. We're going to sit here and read our books. You know, you would think they would uh, commit to either side. Um, I don't know. There's the- just so much at stake. But they're pretty wise. And let's face it, I think a lot of people, in fact, later in the book, there are even at the very end when the island is, is crumbling, there are guys who aren't picking sides because they're like, Tyrion's obviously gone crazy, but Malekith, like they just can't get over that. It's like, you yeah, know. It's, 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 a, it's a massive departure for a lot of the elves to, like you say, I think it's quite clear, even at this point, there's a lot of people are not happy with what Tyrion's up to, but I think some people can't quite get their head around uh, Malekith, especially as we get on to, he's he's still pretty much just behaving like Malekith anyway. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of great, though. He's like, no, 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 yeah. no, I'm not kissing anybody. This is how I, I've been ruling. I've been ruling for six thousand years. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is my thing. It's kind of cool, but I mean, it. And also, I like that they keep pointing out that there are people who don't. You know, they're not following. You know, throughout the second half, they point out how lots and lots of people are not following Tyrion because they agree with him, but because they just can't stomach the idea of following Malekith after 6,000 years, which is one of the complaints lots of people have when they read the army list and say, wait, so everybody's just joining Malekith? No way. As it, well, yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of people, a lot of the people saying that haven't read the book or listened to what we might be saying, and they just think it's just black or white people just going, oh, we're all just going to go to this side or we'll go to that side. But um, there, there, there is a, a lot more comp- a complexity to it, and I think it, as as we said last time, it, I think it's sort of explained yeah. in, in a reasonable fashion within the book, for sure. It's not like he just comes home one day and says, "Honey, I'm home," and everybody's like, "Yay, Malkith's back!" I mean, yeah. that's totally not how it goes down. Um, okay, so what else do we have here? So the major lines: nobody wants Ivrice. It's overrun with demons and monsters. There's so much magic running through there. Anyone who goes in there is just attacked with demons and monsters. So they're all just like, yeah, we're just like that's like that's like no man's land. That's like the Bermuda Triangle. Nobody sends their armies into Euphrates. They're just like, forget it. Hmm. We'll deal with that place later. <laughs> we already, you know, they've already got a civil war going on. They don't need to be fighting demons at their backs too. Um. In fact, right here, here's the part of the book where it says it. A majority, majority of the princes of Ulthuan just decide, hey, you know what? We're defending our lands, which is sort of, and I don't, and I'm not denigrating, but it's this typical elvish thing where, hey, <laughs> you know what? My land is more, you know, what are we doing for me? And that, I mean, and, you know, and I get it. You know, it's just like any politician. I'm the governor of the state of Illinois. I, you know, what's what's going on for Illinois? You know? And they're not picking sides. They're picking their own lands and their own people and saying, hey, you know what? We're not 
we're not committing to either of you guys. Um, I'm certain for some of them it's because they only want to be on the winning side and they can't tell. For some of them, it's probably whether they you know dislike Tyrion or Malekith. Uh, some of them it could be selfishness, but there's a, a majority of the elves are not involving themselves in this war, which I thought was pretty cool. Isn't it more uh, by by inaction? They're I don't know doing more damage than good. I don't well, know, of course they are. Opinion. They're stupid elves, but. <laughs> <laughs> We got another three hours of this, Chris. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> hey, shut up! My entire race dies off in about in about a, in, in about two episodes of this show, so I don't want to hear it. Um, but I mean, seriously, I mean, you know what? But this does fit in. We talked uh, in the last couple of episodes about uh, you know the elves with the intrigue, you know the old rules with intrigue at court and all those things that the elves had, and th- this fits. I mean, it doesn't. Definitely. It's not breaking down that you know fifty percent are going to one side and fifty percent are going to the, or even you know forty sixty. It's you know, 15, yeah, it's really fractured. Yeah, fifteen percent are going here and twenty percent are going there, and the other sixty percent are like, yeah, no, we don't want any part of this nonsense. This is, you know, because well, you've got to remember as well that they're not. I mean, we're sort of just assuming that it's all the people that are going to battle, but what about the other elves that aren't marching off to the war? It's, it's, it's those as well, isn't it? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of civilian elves. Yeah. <laughs> and and their and their lords are like, you know what? We're staying home with this. We're not picking sides. I'm setting this one out. Exactly. You know, for better or for worse, that's where it's going. So, basically, this goes on for a while, and finally, Tyrion's recovered enough where he's you know out and about, and he just starts calling himself the Phoenix King. And he's like, hey, yep. <laughs> I, I, I've been leading this. Uh, I'm in charge. You guys all put me in charge. Malekith is here. What else am I? And the best part about this, I love the – the. it's not exactly a role reversal because Malekith still pulls this crap. It's just he's, he actually listens to Teclis and Imric when they tell him he's got to cut it out. But Tyrion totally – everything we've read about how Malekith acts when he is in, in control – of of in, up in the north is exactly what's going on here. You know, anyone who objects to Tyrion, hey, you can't call yourself the Phoenix King. You never went through the flames. Who said that? Uh, I thought it was Phil. Where's Phil? I don't know. He disappeared. Mm. You know, seriously, they just disappeared. Anyone who steps up and speaks against him mysteriously disappears. So eventually, there's no dissenting voices. Hey, I'm the Phoenix King. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're the. I knew you'd be the Phoenix King once you got that big shiny helmet. So <laughs> it's <laughs> nobody's arguing with them. So within we now here, what what Imric has done over the course of months that that Tyrion has been wounded, he comes back and within weeks <laughs> takes it all back. Um. Yeah, and I think, and I think even that's not to say that it took Imric a long time. I think Imric still his feats were still pretty impressive in those months, but even that just pales to what Tyrion can manage on the battlefield. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. It's just, I mean, what he did over the course of months as a great leader with all these dragons, all this battling, Tyrion and Widowmaker, and the the, the madness that that Cain instills in his armies. In a fraction of the time, he takes it all back. And then there's this big battle at Tor of Reese, um, where nobody wants to go, but they wind up there. Tyrion winds up getting wounded. Um, Imric manages to wound him and, and break his armor, actually crack his armor open. 
and wound him pretty bad. Um, and then Imric and his dragon escape, but it takes three other dragon riders and their dragons to buy him enough time to escape. And I just want to say that again. Tyrion on his horse took out th- <laughs> took out three dragons and their riders. It doesn't translate well into on paper in terms of the stats, but uh, that was impressive. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, it's okay. It's not. It's not Anarian taking down four greater demons. Well, sure, but uh, yeah, that's still impressive. I mean, when you're imbued with the power of a, of a god. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, granted, what are a couple still, dragons, right? That's but that's still no joke. I mean, three dragons and three three dragon riders to one guy is that's. I mean, if anyone was wondering, well, <laughs> he's just on a horse. Look at that model. Yeah, trust me, <laughs> he's, he's he's badass. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It is not a joke. Um. Okay, so now now he is riding openly with Marathi. This is this is a big there's a big change here. She's no longer hiding herself as whoever she was, the the handmaiden to Tyrion or the helper to Tyrion where she was, you know, disguising herself. Um now that Tyrion is back after these battles after being wounded, Marathi's just out there open and alongside him. Um I think this is a sign how far his troops have succumbed to the madness of Cain. That everyone's mm-hmm. like, Marathi's here? Really? I mean, uh, granted. Yeah, uh, let's go. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, Marathi. Like, I- I'm honestly uh, kind of more afraid of her than, than, than Malekith at times. Just as far as... Oh, being- yeah, she's, yeah, she's the real power behind the throne, sort of wherever she is, really, isn't she? She's pulling all the strings, pretty much. I mean, in a, in a straight-up street fight, Malekith would win. But I'm talking just in terms of malice and just evil intentions and just being rotten to the core. I mean, Morathi's the scary one. Like, I could, ugh, you know? Yeah, well, so, I, I do agree with you. They're they're so, uh, you know, under the veil of Cain that yeah. they, they just don't see it anymore. And yeah, and it really highlights the, the fact that, you know, how far they've fallen from, from grace, so to speak, right? Yeah. Well, and and now now Tyrion hasn't completely fallen yet because here's the, the, one of the parts I liked here is where um, um, during the battle, Marathi smashes, uh, starts smashing waystones and grabbing the souls of the elves and using them to bargain with demons, and Tyrion just about loses his mind. Uh, he kills all the demons she's bargaining with, and then he slaps her. Yeah, on discovering uh, yeah, so it reads on discovering this, Tyrion flew into a rage and slaughtered the demons. When the hag sorceress shrieked her objection, Tyrion struck her to the ground, leaning close and whispering as he clamped gauntleted thing fingers about her throat. None heard what was said, but Marathi never again sought to bargain with demons. Yeah, so, oh, okay. actually I, I, choking her down there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying something. I wish I could hear what, what, what did he yeah, say. Yeah, I do. I do find that a little odd. None heard, but yeah, why can't well, you tell us? Well, okay, here's, here's <laughs> right. what I'm thinking, what was, though. What, what, what was it? But that's what I'm thinking. What exactly could I mean? I actually thought about this. Okay, what I was trying to come up with something. There's nothing that I could think of that. What could they have possibly have written that would have had enough impact on us, the reader, to be like, oh damn, yeah, that would slap Marathi down. It's like it's almost better that we don't know. Just, yeah, well, I, I thought on this. <laughs> 
second reading that maybe I, I sort of put when I read that because it's on the sort of the first page really the chapter I sort of banked that and I thought well I wonder if anything comes up later on that relates to that but no it doesn't I, not that I could see anyway so but yeah I, I think you're right you don't know what says and then it's believable whereas i've had to write something really really good for it to to make sense i guess yeah it's one of those cheap, things where probably, probably fair yeah it's one of those things where you, you your imagination is going to work better than anything they could have possibly actually written down i mean sure. you know with, okay okay so with that what what's what does your imagination give you for that because i struggled really to come up with anything to be honest with you I could. I mean, I, I'm assuming it had to do something with him just having no truck with demons. Like we're fighting against them. We haven't fallen this far. Uh, you know, she. You know, and he. He knows he's got some power over her. He knows she thinks he's a Narian reborn. So maybe he's just threatening to I to cut her off and isolate her. I mean, she is kind of addicted yeah. to him, and he kind of knows it. I mean, it could be something so, yeah. that simple, uh, like you know. I mean, it, maybe uh, maybe it's Cain like speaking through Tyrion directly to Marathi, saying, "You know, oh, you know yeah. what I mean." And if, when she hears, yeah. he has to say something in a way that actually strikes fear into her. So it's got to be something heavy. So maybe just that voice yeah. of of Cain is enough. Yeah, because remember what they were saying later that all the Elven gods were basically stuck here on the Warhammer world because they were defeated and kicked out of mm-hmm. by the gods of chaos. So for her to be dealing with them and having Kane himself be there, listen, you know, this, you know, if you're going to, yeah. Do that again be, and yeah. you're going to stand in the corner. Yeah. Okay. You know. So, yeah, I don't know what, but it's it's working pretty good for me. But so. Inter- um, interesting. What did you think, Chris? Did no. you have anything? Are you asking me? Tomlin. You already answered. Yeah, I yeah, I don't. I didn't really. No, I didn't. I was. I was more. Like I say, I was more trying to relate it to something else in the book rather than actually thinking of what what it could have been. But no, I think I think you, you guys have come up with some suitable th- theories there. Um, yeah. No, I, I, haven't, I haven't got anything more on that. One, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. So after he defeats Imric in battle, like Tyrion just kind of stops fighting. Like he's like, there's no more worthy opponents, and he pulls out of the war and leaves the generals to get it done. Now, what's interesting here is um, we start to see how like how bad Tyrion gets at this point. Um, with you know, people were objecting to him calling himself the Phoenix Prince, and they disappeared, and now people are disappearing for like no good reason. Prince Dalaran of Kathik objected when one such hunt took place across his ancestral lands. The prince vanished soon after, though his daughter was soon after seen in Marathi's growing entourage of handmaidens, and his two sons were given high rank in Tyrion's courts. Yeah, they were hunting, um, basically, you know, Marathi's doing her thing, and they were hunt- they were taking prisoners in battle and letting them free out into the fields and then hunting them down for sport. They were like, you know, you know, you hear those things about people hunt, you know, humans hunting sure, humans. Yeah. yeah. They were hunting elves for sport, the, the prisoners. And he's like, wait, you, dude, really? You can't do this. And then, boom, he disappears. Yeah, I, that's uh, yeah, I evil. Mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tyrion is. True G behavior. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, Tyrion has really fallen at this point. I mean, way, way beyond what we expected. This isn't a, I'm getting stuff done by any means. He's acting 
like a maniac. So yeah, and it's it's not just Tyrion as well. It's, it's the people like you say around him that are, get, are getting battle mad, and and it's not it's not even just the Drucci that have flocked to his side. It's it's the, the high elves as well, who, the Asur who are starting to act in these, these these crazy ways as well, which gets more and more into it as, as the as the book goes on. Exactly. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting as it progresses, their, their physical forms actually start to change too, right? Their cheeks get sunken in and they sort yes. of look kind of supernaturally, I don't know, wraith-like. They look leaner and hungrier part. and just, no. yeah. So you know what? Let's um, let's take a quick break right now because we're about to hit the part where Corhill really steps into it. And Corhill is one of the few guys who is with Tyrion who is starting to realize, hey, um... This isn't how we normally are. So we'll come back to that right after this break. It's Chris and Chris and Dave. Kane Part 2. I have come to claim you, my queen, as is my right and destiny. To Coriel's mind, Tyrion sought to brook no argument, but the prince's words clearly found no purchase. The Tyrion I knew would not ask this of me, much less demand it as his right, Alariel said coldly. Once, I would have given myself to you out of love, but I will not be claimed as a trophy. I am the Phoenix King, Tyrion snapped. Would you deny me? Would you deny your people? For the first time, Alariel's expression softened into sadness. Your soul has hollowed, and Cain has poured himself into the void. You are not worthy of the throne, or of me. I am sorry. Ulthuan is at war! The prince shouted, the fingers of his outstretched hand closing into a fist. The Witch King corrupts our people. Unity is our only hope. You will be my queen. Tyrion spurred forward. There was a ripple of sound as the maiden guards set arrows to their bows. Orion growled, but his wrath subsided as Alariel raised a slender hand. The gesture was not for his benefit alone. As Corhill watched, the Everqueen's radiance grew brighter. Darting roots burst from the soil, wending around Tyrion and Malhendir, holding them fast. With a snarl, the prince moved to draw Widowmaker, but could not free his sword arm. It was not only Tyrion. Corhill felt flailing roots burst from the sod to entangle his limbs, heard the commotion as other elves suffered the same fate. In an eye blink, every member of Tyrion's host was held fast. Here, an Averlorn, you shall take only what I allow, Valeriel said, her steely voice cutting effortlessly across the din. It was then that Marathi at last spoke, her voice like oil spilling across water. Is that so? The hag sorceress asked, and she began to laugh. Okie dokie, we are back. See, I haven't done that back, back, back thing yet, have I? I was thinking that when I was listening the other day. Emil did it. He said everyone does it. I'm, you're, you're I'll, have, well, I'll, have to, I'll have to rectify that. You're welcome to do it next time you bring us back. It's, it's a, it's, okay, I shall. I shall. It's, it's, a, it's, <laughs> a, it's a rare treat. Very few in the community can say they've done it. So, Well, yeah, we need to get that one in. need to take that one off. There you my, go. I'm a podcasting bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to get a castle, 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 castle
Well, I, I tell I, you uh, what, the next commercial break that'll be the that'll be who we do the commercial for, and then you can jump in and you can you can say that before we go off to yeah, break. They're, very, they're very good as well. Just uh, I've ordered from them a couple of times overseas as well. He's he's hooked me up with some deals on some uh, out of production metal models. So even if you're listening from the UK and thinking, oh, it's just an American thing, now he's uh, Andrew's really good. So yeah, just get that in there quickly. Andrew's great. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. That's uh, I'm I, he's I'm glad he's been with us for as long as he has because he really. You know, he does what he says, and he says what he does. So here we go, back with Kane. Uh, as I was saying, as I was teasing before the commercial break, uh, Corhill is uncomfortable with this new Tyrion. And whenever he's near Tyrion and Marathi, his head feels all muddy. Uh, you know, like he can't think straight. Um, he's just, he, he realizes that something is definitely wrong, so he begs Tyrion to let him go out and lead some troops in battle. You know, I've served you, but I, I I need to be out on the field. So he talks him into letting him out there because when he's away from Tyrion, uh, his head feels clear. When he's away from the the Widowmaker, so um, is it is it is it? Do you think it is Widowmaker, or do you think it's um, is Marathi weaving any sort of glamour on top of things just to try, just to mix things up a bit more, or do you, th- do you think it purely is Widowmaker? Uh, I think it's probably Widowmaker because I don't know that Marathi needs to weave any more stuff at this point. I mean, there's this no, you're probably right. This whole battle madness going on, and it's it's and it's always when he's near Tyrion and and Marathis, and you know what I'm saying. So it's like it's the the closer you are to the, to, to the sword, the quicker you seem to be corrupted by it. And the, uh, the only thing the only thing I guess against that is as we find out a little later on that. Tyrion doesn't keep Widowmaker in his possession, does he? He has it stored in, in a vault. True, but that, isn't that kept right near him? I mean, I yeah, thought I that was because so. that was part maybe of the again, whole. Again, it's the the effect of Cain, you know, using uh, yeah. Tyrion as a vessel. That's kind of oh. you know, radiating that that power, which is as, what as his avatar sort of thing. Yeah, right. probably probably more so than the sword. Actually, you're probably right, Chris. Probably more so that he's the yeah, avatar of Cain than the sword itself. Mm. Um, so why 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 is Cor why is Corhill pretty much the only one that's able to sort of to see this? Do you think was it just a? I I just think he's one of those. I mean, there's probably others too, but he's one of the main character. You know, he's one of the named characters who. And even in, <laughs> yeah. well, and, and, and right. you go through the stories though, and he's you know he's been one of these upstanding, you know, completely straight laced yeah. characters throughout. So for these weird things to be happening and him to see. I think the fact that he is even putting up with this, that he's just uncomfortable with it, shows that how bad the corruption actually is. That someone Because yeah, he's still willing to go along with it, right? Exactly. Still lead these armies and do what they're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it's his yeah. loyalty to Tyrion, but it's that same, you know, but it's... it. I don't know. I think, I think there is some corruption that's happened here. The fact that he hasn't even walked away... Uh, it just shows you how strong he is to have noticed it. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, once again, they do enlist these hero-level characters that, you know, we get to see everything happening through their eyes. So, you know, as this story progressed, I found Corhill to be a very interesting character. and Fantastic, you know, yeah. Where, what he sees and how he's what he's thinking. It's very interesting to get his point of view on things. And his whole, I think he's a lot... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say... I think he's a lot more perceptive than sort of he's, he's given credit for. I mean, it's mm-hmm. even referred to at points, isn't there? 
Marafi just seeing him as sort of like a dumb brute, nothing else to that. So right. I think they, they really, really, we said, didn't we, in the first, the first uh, part that characters like Karadrian, Kuran and Corhill, they, they really, really come into their own, I think, in their own book and Corhill more than anyone in this second half here, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and part of the, I think his entire story arc from start to finish to second finish is really satisfying. Um, yes. You know, too. I just, it's really, it's better than some of the other sort of minor, uh, you know, named characters. Um, it's his, than some the main characters, I think, as well. Yeah. So um, he goes and he fights against Felhart's forces in Aetain, and he's got him almost back all the way to the walls of Lothurn. He's fighting him, he's fighting him, and all of a sudden he sees all these flags with Malik, coming with Malekith's forces, and he sees Malekith himself. You know, and it's all these flags. It's not just Malekith's army. It's like, wow, all these countries or all these nations of elves have joined with him. Um, and then when he actually sees Malekith, he sees that light of Asurian shining from him. Yeah. And he realizes a couple of things. One, he's got no chance. <laughs> and uh, uh, two, um, he's... Uh, he's... Um, you know, there, there's something about Malekith. It's like, wait a minute. Do he you know, recognizes that that's Malekith ascendant. Yeah. Well, I mean, the light of Assyrian is saying, well, mm-hmm. why would he? Ha- I mean, Corhill's no dummy. You know, this is one of the. This is the part where he really starts questioning everything right here. Yeah. Um. He wind up basically. They wind up getting completely routed. Uh, and Aislinn's ships are taking them back across the inner sea. But Malekith doesn't run them down, doesn't pursue them, doesn't cut them up and, and hack them up, isn't rounding up the prisoners to go send them off to be hunted like Tyrion's doing. In fact, as there as he's on the boat going away, he wa- he sees Malekith is walking around the, among all the people who surrendered and talking to them all. And I, it, this is just this complete opposite. That Corhill's having to witness everything he believes in, sort of doing a one eighty. Right, everything is changing. Yeah, I, I, this that was a very interesting part too. You kind of see the progression of Malekith as a character. I, maybe he's can you say maturing? I don't know. He, you know, he's sort of embracing his role as a leadership, as a leader in the in Elven society beyond what just the, the you know what he had done in the Dark Elf realm. <laughs> I so it's interesting to see him kind of progress in this way. Yeah, I don't want to give him too much credit because he's still—I mean—he's still a jerk throughout this whole thing. But he yeah. also understands at times, and I think that's a lot of Imric's and Teclis's influence. Right. Listen, yeah, if, I, if I'm going to win this, I need to get these people to fight for me. You know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is a wholesale change of character from Malekith at any point. I think, like you say, any, most of those sort of—it's almost like he. He sort of admittedly makes concessions, and he, he's aware he's he's doing it. I don't think he's um, his character's changing. I think he's knowingly making concessions to almost appease Imric and Teclis at times. That's more how I saw it, rather than him becoming good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing. Well, what, it's he's, just yeah. the fact that he's you know open to these suggestions and sure know, willing yeah. to talk things out is a, seems to be a massive, massive step. Other before he would. Just, Summarily execute whoever it was right. that disagreed with him. But, but even then, he still had the likes of Marathi, who he wouldn't have. But that's my being a mother, mm-hmm. and even even people like Kuran as well, who could talk up again. So I think he's always had these people that maybe he respects. It does talk in here that begrudgingly he does come to respect the likes of Imric and Teclis. So maybe 
they just become sort of his closest advisors that he will actually sort of pay heed to what they're saying a bit more. I don't know. I think part of it, my theory is he's away from Marathi too. I mean, they, they are away from each yeah. other for long periods of time, but now she's actively against him. And that influence of her where, you know, he's got, I mean, she's always, every time you see them having a discussion, he has to be hard. He can't be weak. He has to be vicious. And when he's away, he, you know, there's a, a like I said, I don't know that he's changing, but it's like, he doesn't always have to be vicious. There's not someone constantly behind him pushing for that. Con- you know what I'm saying? I think Marathi's kind of a yeah. bad influence. And when she's away, that's a good point. Now who've you got? Now who's your influence? Tyrion, a, a Teclas, who he constantly makes fun of. In fact, I don't think there's any part in here where it says he respects Teclas. He gets the respect for Imric a bit and Alario. Oh, Alario, yeah, I think but you're right. Teclas, yeah. he's constantly putting down. Oh, look, you think you're so nice? You're just as vi- you. You might be more vicious than I am. You know, I think he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I think part of that is that getting away from Marathi and having better advisors around you, um, he's making somewhat better decisions, but I don't know that it's a wholesale change like, like you were saying. No, I like, yeah, no, I like that. I like that, actually, the, the Marathi sort of side of it. I think that that works definitely. So Corhill gets across the sea after several days, and he sends a message to Tyrion saying he was beaten. And Tyrion's like, yeah, who, who cares? Whatever, just come back. And now he knows that there's something wrong, you know, because it's just like doesn't even care about all these troops that were lost, doesn't care about any of this, uh, just care about having his people around him. Um, and he's just at the point where he knows Tyrion is not the savior of Ulthuan. But he just he's like, but like that he can't. But, but what's my option, Malekith? No. And that's you know once again he's much like many elves on Ulthuan. He knows he's not fighting on the right side, but he can't bring himself to think of He's Malekith really torn, as, isn't he? Yeah. Really torn. Yeah. So uh, he sends it, and the messenger that comes to get him back is Adrana, who is that daughter of that the, the prince who vanished that we talked about. Um, and she tells Corhill what happened. And apparently when he protested to Teclas about hunting humans, his two scumbags of, a, of sons chained him up and brought him over to Tyrion uh, and he was executed and then they gave their sister to Marathi as a gift and they talk about how her mind was forcibly remolded by Marathi you know um, it, I think that's just great I mean to watch how these two these two real craven nasty scheming brothers basically turn their father over to be killed and then hand their their daughter over to Marathi as a play, or their sister to Marathi as a plaything. Um and she yeah, what just, did you what did you Oh sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say what do you make of the I think we we sort of need to touch on these three characters um initially because they 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 play quite they, they well Adrana certainly plays a, a reasonably big part and they they do pop up quite a lot. I don't. They just sort of brought from nowhere. I don't know if they. I don't know. It seemed a little odd to me just introducing new characters at this point. But I guess it worked. They they do it a bunch, and they kind of need to. It's like we need someone to work with Corhill. Well, who have we got? Well, we don't have anybody. We got to make somebody up. Um, the brothers aren't really well developed. They're like that typical. They're like that that <laughs> that loser guy who thinks he's a tough guy in every action movie. Yeah, well, just thugs, he, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're thugs, and they keep you know they're they're tough guys when everyone around them's a wuss. But when the actual tough guys show up, they they don't have it. You know, they're sort of stereotypical. I do like her character, though. I like this. Yeah, she she was good. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, she's also a, a complete trope. The the daughter of the murdered king who's given over to the bad guys and sort of has to play that role until she can get free and 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 uh and betray exactly. the bad guys at the yeah. right time. Exactly. <laughs> um so they decide they're going to sort of have a their 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 own little support team, their own little twelve step program, to keep from getting uh, completely corrupted. Um, in fact, she's uh, she's casting spells on them to help keep that battle madness off of them, um, which I thought was pretty cool. But meanwhile, Malekith is back. Um, he's totally healed, or as best he can be, from his walk through the flames a second time. Uh, but he's still scarred. All the scarring from the first walk through the flames. Assyrian didn't fix him up. You know, <laughs> he's not deemed worthy enough. Yeah, but he's like twice as powerful now as he was before he went in the flames. And even though he's got the light of Assyrian gleaming from him, they still don't trust him because he's Malekith. I mean, it's just it's. I, and I don't. I don't have a problem with this. I don't have a problem with him coming through the flames and being obviously chosen as the leader of the god, and people being like, for six thousand years, you have fought and kicked our asses. Yeah, I struggle with this uh, quite a bit, you know. And Chris, you could probably speak to this playing high elves yourself, but I, I always think, okay, if I were, you know, a high elf, which way would I? Where would I end up? And I always think, I, I can't follow Malekith because I've been born to hate him, you know, for ever since I was a kid, so I wouldn't follow him. The supernatural part of Tyrion and what he has to offer makes more sense to me, so I, I feel like I would go that route and end up <laughs> out of control, frenzied killer. Yeah, I think I think the whole thing that Tyrion's got going on him is is probably quite compelling and, and would be uh, maybe the easiest, the easy, well, definitely the easier option for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've played High Elves a lot over the over the years, but primarily, I would say I'm more of a dark elf player. So I guess um, I'd be going with old Mally. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Are you kidding? You'd have come with Malekith. You wouldn't be at all. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You'd yeah. have been with him. <laughs> we had the same discussion on after Eleanor. It's like if I was with Horace, would I have gone with him or against him? It's hard to say mm-hmm. how you do yeah, with these sort it, of things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's I think that's uh, a beauty of the way it's written in that if it's. You can see how it's not an easy choice for either side. Even even for some of the elves coming over with Malekith, it's not an easy choice for the Druchi to go, oh, we'll stay with Malekith. If they see him, sort of what he's doing now, to some of them, that they would consider what he's doing weak and wrong. Well, most of them say, oh, we've we, we, we've done what we tried to do. This is great. Some are going, what's he doing now? Look, look at that guy. Look at Tyrion. He's he's the avatar of Cain. That's what I'm all about. I love some of that. And it it it, it works both ways for. Both, both, For both races, I, yeah, yeah. It's, so I think that's it's, it is it is really well well written. And I know we keep going back to people who've, who've sort of slagged it off and said it doesn't work. It's just it's just too easy. People flip flopping allegiance, but it's it's really not like that. I, I think you you can see the turmoil in some of these characters and their decisions they're having to make. So about which way to go. So it's quite quite interesting. I think. Yeah. Then and, and in Malekith's in Malekith's aid, he's got Teclis going into full PR mode. <laughs> and he's got Imric. He, he, he does. He's going around. He's he's he even makes up crap, just making up a few convenient facts about prophecies and stuff, and greasing the skids from Malekith. And he's only marginally successful, but he's doing it. Like he doesn't yeah. care. It's got to happen. Even uh, weaves a, a glamour around Malekith to to physically alter his appearance, so so it better reflects the shining, like the shining example of a hero. The elves. 
like. Hmm. Yeah, so, which is quite funny, I think. And basically, and then what it comes down to, and it says in the book, what what gets people to follow Malekith the most is how bad Tyrion's gotten. Mm. Tyrion going through and just destroying villages. Um, anyone who doesn't want to follow him, he's put into the sword, and that's people are like. Wait a minute, now that's wrong. That's how Malekith used to act, and now we got this Malekith here, who's not that nice, and uh, but it's better than what we're seeing. Um. And it's funny. Yeah, I mean, not everybody who joins him believes it. Even for a minute, they're like, "Well, okay." Wait, he, but some of them just hate him. But they're like, "Well, I'm not going." The, the same people who said, "I I can't follow Malekith." Some people are looking and going, "I can't follow Tyrion. I'm going to have to follow Malekith." Yeah, I mean, even says, "Thus did Tyrion help to ease Malekith onto his throne more than any." It's, it's yeah. his, like you say, it's, it's almost Tyrion's actions that are. It's Tyrion's actions rather than Malekith's that are making people believe in Malekith. Yeah. Heck, some people think that when uh, the Shrine of Assyrians sank, that he, he did that. Malekith yeah. sank it on purpose so that nobody else could try to go through the flames <laughs> and challenge him. Which does sound like something he might do. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> he's his own worst anyway. enemy. <laughs> yeah, so Malekith helped none of this by pr- proving vexed and short-tempered. He had long been used to his Nagarothi court, where a veiled threat or naked violence had been sufficient to cow any opposition. Ulthuan was greatly different, with each noble be- believing his or her opinion sufficiently important to require unwanted intrusions on their king's time. Malekith's patient, never his most plentiful resource, was sorely tried, and uh, those tests were often failed. Only Teclis's calm. Yeah, only Teclis' calm but increasingly strained manner kept the peace. Yeah. You know what? Everybody thinks I have to listen to what they have to say. <laughs> That's his whole Wait, yeah. What makes you think I need your opinion? And they're like, I'm a prince. You must listen to my opinion. And he's like, I'm going to pop your skull. It almost reminds me of um, some of the uh, Game of Thrones with Daenerys where she's having people come into come into her um, and she's having to sit there listening to everyone coming in. She's like, oh, why have I got to do this sort of thing? Yeah. So, like, not understanding the role that they've they've sort of put themselves into almost. Yeah, and it's just it's funny because yeah, you're just w- w- waiting for Malekith to grab one of these guys by the neck and be like, I'm going to snap yeah. your neck like a chicken <laughs> yeah. if you don't shut up. <laughs> um, yeah. That- yeah, there is a dark humor tip to that. That really isn't there. Yeah, but Lilith told Teclis that this is this is how it's going to work, and so he is. That and I think that's part of it. I know a lot of people are like, you know, Teclis is working awful hard for Malekith, and if anything's sort of not believable, this is it. But it's like the god, his patron goddess, came to him and said, "Malekith has to be in charge. You have to make this work." And so, yeah, he's making it work no matter what. Um, I love Teclis. I think he's freaking amazing. Like he is, I mean, his whole life he's been sort of on the outsides because he's a sickly elf, which is almost unheard of. And people look down on him. And then he's got his brother who's Joey Superstar, you know, big man on campus, star of the football team, American or European. And, you know, <laughs> it's just, and, and everybody loves him. And then they look at, oh, and it's here. Oh, here's your brother Teclis. Ugh. And Teclis is just sarcastic. He's the emo one. He's the guy who's he's wearing all black uh, mascara. You know, his ha- his helmet's not pointy. He's like, whatever for you guys. And, and he is. He's been kind of a jerk his whole life. Like, he's just kind of bitter. And- but ultimately, in the end, he ends up being the, the, the preeminent good guy in this whole story, right? Oh, absolutely. But I yeah, love the fact definitely. that he will do absolutely anything mm. to get the job done. He's like the Michael Corleone. If you watch The Godfather, 
you know, you got Don Corleone, who everybody loved, and then when Michael took over, there's like, there's that line in The Godfather. If you ever, if you ever seen The Godfather, he's like, "Why were you so loved and I am so feared?" Like everybody is, and, and Teclas is like that. It, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's it's nothing personal. It's business. I, this has to happen this way because I have to win in the end. Yeah, and it's important. It- what Chris noted there about him being the good guy as we'll, we'll come on to because um, we, we keep saying he's doing all this bad stuff in years but he knows sort of the end goal really through through Lilith I think and yeah it, it is all ends to a mean isn't it or means to an end <laughs> yeah um, so people are abandoning Malekith still um, fights are popping up between the high elf and the dark elf truth Alarden is sacked and apparently it's uh uh, Black Bloods, Black Ark that does it, that sacks Alarden, which is a high elf city. And so here's Mal- this is I love Malekith's thinking here. This is brilliant. Um, what did he do? He sacked a high elf city. All right, I'll take care of it. And he figures, well, how should I appease them? I know. I'll kill Black Blood. I'll kill all his people. I'll cut off his head. I'll hang his body from where everyone can see it. And they're all like, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you want from me? You said he did this. Like, what? Like he has no clue. Like, could you picture how confused and pissed he is? What? You said he sacked a city and he shouldn't have. What other punishment is there? Like, he goes he's straight. Like, he's like a kid, right? Yeah. You told me to fix yeah. it. I'm trying to fix it. But that's the thing. His, his idea of fixing it is kill the problem. Right. He has one. It's like, you know. You, you know, commit mass murder, death. Uh, run a stoplight, death. There's only right. one. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I won't do it again. I know you won't do it again. And he does. And now they now they try to assassinate him, and it fails. And that's it. Now Malekith is pissed. I this is, I have a couple of favorite parts of this book, and this is one of it. Okay. I want everybody who was in on the assassination dead. I want their families dead. I want their houses burnt to the ground. This is this is his plan. He's like, no, 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 no. And now, now Imric and him are arguing, and it gets really bad because, like, I guess you know, to the point where Malekith threatens to pull Imric's head off at some point, basically. And they're going to come to blows, and Imric realizes, no, nah, I don't want to fight with him. I don't think not because he's afraid of him, but because he realizes this is not... This is not going to help anybody. Not productive whatsoever. <laughs> so he just walks off. He's like, fine, whatever, and leaves. And then Malekith is like, all right, he's gone. Spies. I want to know everyone who's doing He sends out spies. He's like, I, he's like, we're back to the old Malekith. I want to know what – if somebody if somebody farts in the forest, I want to know about it. I just <laughs> – you know. And so then Teclis starts fighting with him, and he realizes – he can't lose both Imric and Teclis because they're his only tenuous links to any. If they both walk away from him, he's done. Like everybody leaves. Right. So he calls off all the revenge. Brackblood's already dead, so it's not going to help her. <laughs> but the whole kill the families thing is called off. And then, okay, okay, listen, I know I killed the people who tried to kill me, but I've stopped at that. Their families <laughs> are okay. And that's his big concession. And they're like, well, okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's brilliant. I love that part of the book. Um, it's good. Um, it's quite, I think it's quite an important um, development on Imric's character as well. Obviously, we mentioned last time about how how he how he developed and his character was very interesting. But for uh, 
the, the Prince of Calador to, to back down and walk away. That seems something that previously I don't think he would have done. So I think he, he as well, he's, he's really come around to the, a, a bigger picture mindset as well, I think. And that, yeah, that's I mean, the pit of my he's, stare. he's done it before, but for more bitchy reasons. I mean, he's walked out like when they all said that they, when they wanted to make Tyrion the head of oh, the that's army. Sort, that's sort of more sort of having a, almost like a diva hissy fit and just stropping out for making a point. I think here he's, He's walk. He's backing down and walking out rather than storming yeah. out, saying "Screw you guys, I'm going home." So sort of yeah. he's not taking sort his ball and going home. Panel. Yeah, yeah. All right. So meanwhile, Corhill and Adrana get back to Tyrion and Marathi, and they're at this place called Duskwide, and her spells are kind of shielding them. And the book keeps calling it Widowmaker's effect, which is why I kept blaming it on the sword more than the mm. thing. But the sword does have power because sort of like the One Ring. Oh, definitely. When he, when he steals right. it, it, talks to you. Yeah. <laughs> So they can see. This is where you were talking about, Chris, where they look leaner, they look hungrier. Uh, it's really far more apparent how bad things have gotten when they're Red protected. Eyes, yeah. The pupils. Um, but St- Tyrion doesn't care about the loss. He just cares th- about Ilariel. He's like, we're going to get Ilariel. And, we're, and he marches off with an army. And I love how Marathi, this whole time that they're going and he's talking about going to get Ilariel, Marathi's just sitting there with this little smile on her face. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, and I can't – and they just keep saying she's smiling and there's no hint. But I know when my wife gets really pissed at me and just sits there with that little smile on her face that nothing good's going to happen. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's the I'm really pissed because we're going to get this woman who I know you're in love with and you're mine. So she's smiling or if she's sort of like this is part of the plan to, to, to legitimize him. I'm not 100% certain what this smile's about. But if Marathi's involved in it, it's probably not any good anyway. No, I, I, I don't think that she. I mean, it would legitimise him if they could could get Ariel, but I don't. It seems to me like Marafi doesn't. She sort of just nodded her head, yep, smiling. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go get you, girl. Don't worry, don't worry. But I, don't, I think she knows that, that like you say, it's it's never really going to happen. It can't really happen. Right. Well, I mean, but later she even does says, "We'll get her, and she'll bear you a son, and then I can kill her." Like she, I think there's this like, sure, go get her because you're good. We need her. They do need her. They need her to produce an heir because that's how this works. The Phoenix King and her have a baby, and then they can go to their consorts. And she doesn't want to be consort. She'll kill her and become queen. I mean, that's that. I mean, you know, hey, why not? That's the plan. So they have this huge feast, which is described as far too lavish for wartime. But the prince at Duskwide is far smarter than the last prince. It's just like, okay, do what you want. I'm, I'm cool with that. I just don't want to disappear. And Adriana, Adrana is playing up at being cruel, you know, at being nasty to keep up the appearances. Her brothers aren't even playing. They're just, they're just terrible. <laughs> um, and I love how uh, now they march into Avalorn, and it looks like Athalorin, which makes sense because one of the things I don't think we really talked about last episode is how, you know, the with with Alario getting the powers of the 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 from Athalorin from Ariel, it they're ba- she's basically both the, the, the Elven goddess of the High Elves and the Elven goddess of the Wood Elves in one person now. So it's not weird that while she's living in Avalorn, which is where the Everqueen always lived, it starts to look more like Athalorin. Um, a literal. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a good way to tie that uh, subplot, you know, bring it back around. Yeah, a, a literal unification of the mm-hmm. two races in this, where this place looks like the other. Um, I love how she's, 
Once again, they get there, and Ilariel's waiting, and Orion is just a step behind her, and the troops are all around her. And Marathi walks up, and Tyrion's talking, and everyone's looking, and Marathi's just standing behind him, just smiling. <laughs> yep, this is going to go down the way we say, or else a lot of people are going to die. And quite frankly, I'm I'm okay with that. Like she's, like, <laughs> you know, I, that's all I can picture going through her head is like this is not going to end well for any of you, and I'm I'm good with that. It's like she's just waiting for the blood to start, you know. <laughs> Oh. So Tyrion comes and she's like, nope, uh, you're not Tyrion anymore. You're just, she recognizes that he's basically just the shell filled with Cain's wrath. And he's like, no, you will be mine. You know, it's, it's like Biff from the Back to the Future. <laughs> you will be mine, Lorraine! And, uh... <laughs> Alariel's guard, the sisterhood of Avalorn, stood right across the glade, their bows ready in their hands. But there were other elves there also, archers clad in vibrant greens and antler-crowned hunters sat astride sleek stags. Their leader, Araloth of Taslin, stood at Illyrial's side. The towering figure of the forest god, Orion, stood a pace behind her, spear braced upon the ground. His form shook with barely contained wrath, and the hounds of the, uh, at his heels growled as Tyrion spurred Melandir towards Illyrial. Through it all, Marathi's smile did not waver. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great that's a great paragraph. So there's so much going on there. Yeah, and then you drop down to the end of the little reading, which will probably be part of our readings here. But it's just that part where uh, he's like, "You're coming with me no matter what." And then all of a sudden, Alariel just goes, "Nope!" And all the trees and roots grab all the elves. Like they just come out of the ground and grab them <laughs> and hold them steady. And um, she says, you're going to take, and this is the best part here, at the very end, here in Avalorn, you shall take only what I allow, she said, her steely voice cutting effortlessly. It was then that Marathi at last spoke, her voice like oil spilling across water. Is that so? The exorcist. And she began to laugh. Like she was ready for this. And here, now here comes the battle. Um, it's time for another break, though. So we'll have the battle of Withalen, uh, or however the hell you pronounce it. Um... When we come back, it's C squared and Big D and Kane 2. Yeah. C squared, Big yeah, D, K2. That's rude. Back after this. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore. Your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. 
And we're back talking some more Kane, the Battle of Wifflin, with uh, David and special guest Chris Tomlin. Yes, 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 yes. Yo. All right, so now this is interesting. Ariel learned magic from Marathi. Or was it Ariel or Illyrio? Ariel. Ar- learned, Ariel. Yeah, she learned her magic from Marathi. And, you know, once again, Marathi's really good at playing the long game as well, we find here, because... <laughs> You know, not. I mean, she is planting seeds of corruption within everybody she taught magic to. So, and, and ju- just in case, thousands of years later, something like this. Because she has happen. to call on it. Yeah, yeah. that is uh, devious to the extreme. So she's got this dark magic in her as she's teaching her to her, and so the seeds of corruption are were planted. Now Ariel is dead, but part of that spirit when she died, went into Alarial, and that corruption bit is there. So that's what Marathi did. Marathi was just waiting, and when she got there, she's like, all right, and she basically calls this corruption on her. So Alarial just falls to the ground, and Araloth uh, runs right over to her, and black fluid is pouring out of her mouth and her eyes, and all the roots holding the Asterion together just start to break apart. Uh, she can't hold the, the spell together because... Of this nasty black oil pouring out. Of, I keep picturing that stuff from, uh, if anyone was a fan of um, the X-Files. Yeah, that's but, exactly what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just that stuff pouring out of her as she's, as she's purging it from herself. And it's just there just enough to totally stop them. Some so Tyrion wants Illyrial. But Araloth, and hey, you know what? Talk about a guy with a big brass pair of cojones. Araloth just stands up. You know, it's so funny because they put him in that Wood Elf book, and we're all like, who's this guy? Like, what? And he I'm still out, a bit like that about him. <laughs> you know what? I, I bought the model because I liked it. I liked his kind of backstory. I'm like, okay, so they're adding, they're giving them some, some other characters. I got no beef with that. But it turns out he's got sort of a neat little story himself, you know. Uh, and, and let's face it, they didn't have a ton of special characters in the Wood Elf book to go you know, to take from. So they, they, they sort of had to make up a couple of people, especially for getting this big of a story arc. Mm. But uh, Tyrion just, <laughs> Tyrion's like, out of my way, little elf. And he's like, no. And Tyrion's about to kill him. And all of a sudden, Orion's spear knocks his sword blow off. And uh, Araloth lives. And <laughs> I'm just picturing this. He's on his horse. He takes a swing. The sword hits or the spear end comes flying and hits the sword and knocks it sideways. He looks up to see who did that, and there's all these wild riders just coming out of nowhere, bearing right at him. And basically, their horses and them just smack into Melhander and Tyrion and just shove them. Like physically, they've got nothing to do, <laughs> but they have to go with this sort of stampede of cavalry. Because they don't have any other choice. They're just getting shoved that way. Um, and so now he's away from her. And Orion looks over at Araloth and says, See to the queen. Don't leave her. And tells him not to leave her. Which really pisses me off when he leaves her later. Because it's like, holy crap, Orion himself. That giant ass Orion with the dogs and the horns looked at you in the face and said, Don't leave her. Yes, and, boss. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I, you, Is it cool? Go ahead. So there's a cool bit in there as well, where because he, he throws obviously he throws his spear off. I just did a movement of throwing a spear there. With, um, <laughs> Great. I, yeah, it looked good. Good form. And then he's um and then and then he's down, sort of talking, and he just puts his hand up and just cut, like returns like a boomerang or something. It's uh, it's like Thor's hammer. 
It yeah. literally it returns to his hand when he puts it up. It's fantastic. <laughs> but hey, if you're a god, you know that's 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 not actually not all that impressive you know, <laughs> as a god to be able to call your weapon back. Um, he goes off and he and he sounds the horn of the wild hunt, and it's on. Um, and I like how the wood elves that they never, the wood elves never really felt Tyrion was right. You know, because of the because of the curse of Anarion, the Wood Elves never quite trusted him, and now that he pulled this, they're like, "We're out of here." And this is the point where the Wood Elves, as a race, com- completely turn against the Asterian, and why the forces of Asterian have not one single Wood Elf in their army in the in the army list in the other book. Has that mentality of the Wood Elves and their sort of mistrust of Tyrion has that been mentioned before historically in Wood Elf fluff? Uh, but a lot of people. In high elves, wood elves, and uh, dark elves that don't trust Tyrion or Teclas or any of the line of Anirian because they're all cursed. Mm. In fact, if you read one of the things um, that you know that that trilogy, the Tyrion and Teclas novels, mm-hmm. when they first go from their dad's farm to the big city, they're getting tested to see how bad the curse is on them. If mm. direct descendants of Anirian are found to have the curse too strong on them, they're killed. I see. Yeah, so they were found to, well, basically, they didn't even get the test finished, and then they got attacked by that greater demon, Inkari, and they they vanquished him. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, that kind of proves that they're okay. They vanquished the greater <laughs> demon, you know, and saved a bunch of people. So they really never got put through the test, which is kind of funny because it's sort of like, and I hate to draw this analogy because I know people are going to roll their eyes, but it's sort of how Anakin Skywalker never went through the Jedi test. It was like all the crap he just had to go through sort of on his own. They're like, mm-hmm. well, that stuff is basically along the same lines as what we do, so that's yeah. legit. It's You're good in. enough. Awesome. Yeah. And, and t- we, we've drawn comparisons with Tyrion with, with Anakin Skywalker before on the last show, so yeah. I, 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 think, I think it's a fair comparison throughout yeah he get basically he didn't get the test that would have that might might have shown this because he'd done so many good things and now so we get to this though Tyrion is completely surrounded it's so funny he is surrounded by wood elves and he is fighting like a wild animal um but then the knights of grand and the knights of kathik are all around orion and he's doing the exact same thing (laughs) and they're both trying to get to each other but their armies are just surrounding them, and they can't get there. Um, finally, um, you got Corhill and Adrana fighting on one flank, and her brothers are on the other. And I love this part, how the two brothers keep trying to outdo each other for how nasty and rotten they can be to, like, to their enemies. <laughs> and they're, they're, this guy, Prince Garon, who was like their father's most trusted advisor, he's like, hey, that's really, that's kind of nuts. You need to tone it down. And they're like, don't tell us what to do. And he's like, no, re-. second time he says it, they cut his throat and feed him to a charybdis. It's like, well, damn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Those two, the Darloth and Danor are just, and dude, they were high elves? Like, I mean, these guys were easily corrupted. These guys were kind of rotten. Like, I feel, I, I, it, they're almost too conveniently rotten, you know? I was going to I, I it raises a sort of interesting point, though. Like, if you think in sort of day-to-day sort of um, high-elf high life, uh, do they have, like, are, are they, like, bad high-elves? Are they, like, do they have criminals? Do, do you know, does that make sense? Or are all, are all high-elves super good by default? I don't know that they're super good. I don't know how far they, I'd go to say criminals, but I know, I mean, heck, they were corrupted. 
you know, the the dark elves are basically the corrupted version of the high elves, aren't they? I mean, they're sort of, you know, given into those things. And, I mean, dude, e- even in other movies, you've always got those guys who are there because of by birth and by right of birth and by right of money and not by right of quality of character. And these are just sort of those stock, I'm there because I've got money, but not because I'm a worthwhile human or elf being. And, uh, you know, given the chance to be petty, you know, petty tyrants, they fit right in. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems feasible to me that within sort of high off civilization, you'd get, you'd get a few bad eggs. They're not going to go as far to sail off to Nagaroth and join the Dark Elves, but they, they might not be as upstanding as as the rest of them. Right. Don't know. Yeah, I, do. yeah I, I can see that. You know, they'll certainly lie if it's in their best interest or steal mm-hmm. or cheat, right? Yeah. Yep. To further their own, their own house or whatnot. So, exactly. so here goes the rest of this battle, though. Marathi just starts laughing. And I love, whenever she laughs, you could hear it across the whole battlefield. She's got, like, some magical, you know, uh, PA system. She's got system. a big bullhorn. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Ariel is beyond her reach, but she just starts going after all of her other, like, uh, the, all of her spell singers and stuff. She's like, she'll kill anyone within reach. So the air goes very still. Black clouds start pouring out of her hand. When they said black clouds, I thought it was going to start pouring out of her mouth, like when... <laughs> well, remember when Nagash, like, poured black clouds out of her mouth for, like, eight days straight? I thought, it's like, but it pours out of her hands. Anyone caught in the clouds vanished. That's and, a black horror. Yeah. And no. then uh, pink the tentacles. Yeah, the pink tentacles come out and leave green welts. They, I love they describe the colors very vividly. Do you ever, do you remember, ever remember? I think it must have been in like the fifth edition um, magic. There was like a magic template for a black horror, and it had all those segmented pink tentacles like on the oh, template. Geez. Yeah. No, I never. <laughs> I, I cool. wasn't playing until of, the very end of it. Not to that. <laughs> that's kind of cool then. Yeah, and that's a black horror for sure. <laughs> um. So basically. Everything that it touched, I mean, the clouds go by and the grass is dead and there's just skeletons that have been picked clean. So Naeth and her spell weavers dispel the clouds. And I love this. So Naeth, her, like, you know, her, her uh, Ariel's, uh, uh, you know, first in charge here, um, her spell weavers are dispelling the cloud of magic. But, like, they draw their power from nature and, like, trees and plants just rotted from the inside and collapsed. Three spell singers like rotted from the inside and collapsed into dust on themselves you know um basically from this but they stopped the spell but it just took all their um all their power to do it and meanwhile when she stops the spell Araloth turns around and i said ariel or i meant alariel but Araloth is coming with alariel and he brings her to naeth and Naeth is like, oh, she'll be okay in time. She's you know, kicking out all the evil. And then the Sisters of Slaughter show up. And Araloth leaves Alariel with this, with, with, uh, with Naeth, who, you know, she's only got one attack and no armor. And he leaves it with her. <laughs> <laughs> and so, seriously, this is, the, this is my WTF moment because Orion said stay with her. What exactly are you thinking? He's like, nope, I got to go fight now. He doesn't even get there in time. <laughs> no, well, here's the thing. He gets out there to fight, and then he realizes when he gets out there to fight, Harrison, the lights. He realizes when he gets out there to fight that he, he turns around and he's like, oh, crap, they did an end around, uh, and now they're over there, and I can't get back in time. So then Daeth shows up, this blind, white-haired lord of Torgovan. 
and he challenges them. And holy crap, this guy's awesome. As Arilov's thudding feet ate up the ground between him and the Torgavani lines, he realized that even if he reached Dave's venerable age, he would never be able to fight as the Blind Lord did. Where the masked Nagarofi were wild and theatrical in their attacks, Dave was measured and efficient, his sword never moving a hair's breadth further than it needed to. A flick of his wrist and the broad tip of Dave's blade struck a barbed whip aside. With another, an attacker's throat was open to the bone. Dave's movements were works of art, so delicate yet unyielding that they made all of it appear clumsy by comparison. The gap in the line was 15 shields wide and the attackers a swarm of lashes and shields, but Dave held them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I love the part where um, even before that, they talk how she's go- you know, he challenges the leader and she goes after him and her head hits the ground and he doesn't even see Dave move. Like, yeah. This guy's so fast. She charges him, and all of a sudden her head's falling off. And it's like, wait, did he even move? <laughs> it's, I think I think it's, it's, it's good writing in the way they make they sort of refer to the sisters of the slaughter's movements as being clumsy and not looking good. Whereas you would sort of imagine them to be pretty, pretty sort of elegant and mm-hmm. good good fighters in of themselves. But, yeah, but next to him they just look right. But he also said they're big, wide movements and theatrical. I could picture them yeah. doing a lot of jumping and flipping jumping and around, stuff. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the, and the models he, look like that anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So meanwhile, he like wipes them all out. But of course, you got one sister playing dead in the pile, and as he walks past, her, she stabs him in the heart. <laughs> Uh, but then before he dies, he tells Aroloth that he, you know, I'm making up for my mistakes. He's Vol? He's actually Vol. Yeah, by the way, bro, I'm Vol. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about me. I'm making up for my sins from before because, you know, I'm Vol. I was like, wait, what did you do wrong, Vol? I thought he was good. I thought it was the, the Hotek was the guy who turned on everybody. So I was just like, oh, whatever you, wherever you fell short, you know, good job so far. That stupid spell you've got keeps making my stupid dwarf's armor fall apart, so <laughs> screw you, buddy. But <laughs> So up in the north, um, the Everqueen's forces are winning. Roots and trees are grabbing the elves and tearing. Hydras and Charybdis are burning the tree man. Everyone except Durthu. Durthu is, like, not going to get burned. I said Tyrion is all covered in blood. He looks like a literal demon at this point. I'm picturing him all covered in blood, looking like a bloodthirster, you know, in elf form. Um and he goes after Orion, and Orion's covered in cuts. He's got a couple really bad ones he's bleeding from. One of the hounds is dead. The other one's covered in gore. Um, Those woodalls who looked upon Orion striving that day marked a determination that they had not before observed. Not in all the many rebirths their king had known. None knew the cause, none save Elarial, and she has sworn not to speak of it. When the, king, when the ring of knights about Orion parted at Tyrion's command, the king of the woods did not falter, but threw himself readily against the prince with a wild cry. Yeah, so he goes after him, and uh, I don't know what this secret is. I didn't finish reading the Orion trilogy, so I'm not certain what her knowledge is that this is. I thought I would have time to look it up, but I realized I haven't even purchased the third book yet. So mm. whatever the secret is, I don't know it, although I'm certain someone will send us a text or an email or a... Or a tweet to fill us in. Please do. But they talk about how Kurnos and, and Kane are fighting just as they did before, the basic, because you know, Orion is the you know, the avatar of Kurnos. So they're basically fighting for Isha. Um, and I love Tyrion's nice form, a circle around them, not letting any of the war dancers or other guys in. They're like holding them off. They're like, nope. They're gonna, you know, these let guys. Them <laughs> yeah, let them have at it. Uh, Widowmaker breaks the spear of Kurnos. 
so, and Orion just <laughs> I love this. Orion just reaches and grabs Tyrion by the throat, lifts him off his horse, and punches him in the ribs a good two, three times until you hear them breaking. Street fight. Yep. Mm. And finally, Tyrion cries out in pain after about the th- third or fourth punch when his ribs shatter. Uh, but then he pulls off Widowmaker, cuts off one of Orion's horns. Orion shouts out and headbutts him in the face. <laughs> and then as he's holding him up off the saddle, he takes what's left of his spear and jams it in the hole Imric made. That hole Imric made in that armor. You'd think after the second or third <laughs> time someone shoved something in there, he had gone and had it fixed. Right, yeah, you beat, me to the punch. you beat me to the punch on that one. I was, I was just waiting for that from earlier on when it's mentioned. But what? Yeah, it'll come up again. Spoiler, but why? Oh, why does he not get that that fix? <laughs> I mean, unless he just can't or something, or he's too busy fighting, or he's acting crazy, or he's too proud to admit he needs it. Maybe yeah, it's just not that fix. big. I mean, maybe it's not as huge a rent as we think. But it's like, dude. You know, it's, there's an obvious hole in your armor, and everybody goes for it. It can't be that small if everyone everyone can see it and stab right. into it. Everyone's going for it. Well, it's a, it's a spear tip, an arrow tip. I mean, it's not it's not like they're sticking their fists in there. It's these small things that are jamming in. But so he snaps off the what's left of his spear inside a Tyrion. And that's all he's got left. Like, after he does that, after the spear breaks a second time, he sort of drops Tyrion back into the saddle and steps back, and he's, like, huffing and puffing. And Tyrion, you know, gets himself straight in the saddle, pulls out Widowmaker, and just kills him. And he turns to Ash, fulfilling the cycle. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I wonder how Widow players feel about Ryan going out like that, or just going out, period. Yeah, it's pretty big that one. That's, that's, yeah. that's one of the one of the bigger deaths so far for sure. You know, um, yeah, but he's been getting around forever. I, it's weird because I think of him more as that older model than the new one, but this mm. bigger guy. But yeah, but we got the uh, we got that voicemail uh, last episode, Chris, from the guy who was th- this particular battle was one of the ones that he was like, "Oh, what happened to Orion?" I was like, you know. "Hey, people are dying. Nope. There's nope. nothing we can do at this point." So that's the point where Alarial wakes up. Like he, Orion dies, and Alariel, you know, having Ariel's spirit in her, when when half of the forest, you know, lords, you know, die, she wakes up and puts her final plan. Uh, and there's a reason she's fighting here because the magic that are coming to this point is light and life, and Marathi has no control over those magics. So she starts pulling her spell out, and Marathi tries to grab that same magic and stop her, and she can't touch it. Like she's like, holy crap! Like she's desperately trying to stop this and realizes she can't this giant spiral staircase comes out of the ground and raises her up and i'm sitting there going arcane fulcrum arcane fulcrum (laughs) arcane fulcrum um there is a nice comment how everyone always underestimated her like everyone just thought of her as oh look she's a healer big deal what good is she in a fight and all of a sudden she starts grabbing the magic this thing and she just says enough and all her enemies turn into trees that's fantastic (laughs) The only signs that they were even elves were the fact that the heirlooms that they were carried, the magical heirlooms were entangled in the branches and patterns <laughs> in the bark that might be elven faces constricted in pain. Yeah, that's great. It's really cool. Yeah. Is uh, there a storm of magic spell that does that? I, I don't I don't know. It's got, you know what? You've got to check those uh those spells in the in the cane book to see there's gotta be a life spell yeah. or that does something like that. But uh so so Tyrion is safe because of Widowmaker from the spell. Marathi is pulling together what she can to do a counter spell and literally puts up a wall that stops this spell from turning her into a tree like a foot in front of her. 
Uh, and these two spells just press and press and press against each other until they explode. Uh, Marathi falls to the ground. Alario falls off the giant fulcrum. And as she's falling, <laughs> um, uh, Durthu just does like one of these running, no, <laughs> you know, running with the hand out, diving, catches her. And she's safe. Marathi, meanwhile, uh, Adrana and the rest of them pull Marathi out of there and get her. Tyrion, I love this. Tyrion runs up and stabs Durthu, who grabs the blade. And this sort of reminds me of that uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring when uh, when uh, Aragorn stabs that one orc and he pulls the blade closer to him mm-hmm. to get in his face. And yeah. Durthu just grabs the sp- grabs it, and he pulls it out and then lifts him up. Like he won't let go of Widowmaker, so he just lifts up Widowmaker. And Chuck's hit and Tyrion about like half a mile away. <laughs> just That's funny. It. Yeah. Because he won't let go of it, so he just throws the sword nope. and Tyrion goes <laughs> with it. Just like I just picture him like like cartwheeling, like arms <laughs> out, hold the sword <laughs> over the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and Melhander, the horse, looks after him and is like, oh crap, and goes taking off after him. <laughs> it's quite a comedic bit that whole bit especially like the Durfu run and dive thing I'm not sure really how I felt about that but <laughs> but um, then uh, Darloth and Danor are the first to break and run cowards that they are I don't know who read last who uh, read? I read last so yeah okay, it is yeah. you Chris okay sorry mm-hmm. Darloth and Danor were amongst the first to turn tail for the princess had learned much of ruthlessness under Tyrion's tutelage, but little of bravery. Corhill was the last of Tyrion's commanders to leave, ushering his soldiers before him. As he slipped away into the forest, the captain realized that he had experienced his second defe- defeat in as many battles. To Corhill's mild surprise, he discovered that he wasn't at all sorry for the loss. Yeah, that's just great. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. And I love Tyrion. So he lands in the forest. Li- oh, <coughs> I just feel like rolling. <laughs> and he quickly gets up and he's like ready to run back in. It's, seriously, this is like pro wrestling stuff. Like, I'm just like <laughs> he's, like, he's like outside the ring, like halfway, like thir- a third of the way up into the seats. And now he's going to run back. But, uh, then, but then it's like the Benny Hill music starts and Darloth and Danner go running past him in the other, <laughs> right, in the right. other direction. <laughs> and he's like, oh, come on. <laughs> so basically, he knows the battle's over when all of his generals are running, and uh, Alariel, uh they take Orion's ashes and all their dead, and she opens up the world and takes them back to Atheloran. And I love at the end here the only true winners were the new elf trees. <laughs> you know, the, the forest had got this. So uh, before we break, real quick, uh, the battle is this big turning point. There's a new council in Atheloran, and they just basically are like, okay, that's it. We are all every wood elf on the planet has de- has declared against Tyrion for what they he just did. So we're all throwing in with Malekith. We may not like him, but we hate Tyrion more. So they send messengers out to all the kingdoms of the wood elves and tell them exactly what just happened. Um, Alariel takes the world roots to Lo- uh, world roots to Lothurn and basically tells Malekith she'll marry him, but. She'll do it when the war is over, and this is uh, this is not how this is not how that's supposed to work. If he's Phoenix King, they're supposed to get married right away. Uh, she basically there's there's still a little bit of distrust there, and it's like, yes, I'll marry you and legitimize your reign if you save us first, prove your worth. So there's the, there's sort of a, a prove your worth a, a, t- a typical uh, you know knight's quest to earn the to earn. 
the hand of the maiden is now underway. Um, mm. And I guess with that, it is time for another break uh, because we got to run our commercial from where, Chris Tomlin? There we go. Yep, there it is. You are not welcome here. The voice was soft, but cold as ice, and spoken so close that Tempest could feel the other's breath upon the back of his neck. With an effort, the mage kept his composure and turned. How the challenger had come so close without betraying his presence, Teclas couldn't fathom. The Shadow King lives up to his reputation, said Teclas. For a long moment, the bitter wind whistling through the confines of the pass was the only sound. To the east lay the charred forest of Trace. To the west, the bleak and mist-laden expanse of the Nagarith began. I know why you have come, Aletha Nar said at last. And the answer is no. Even when the fate of Ulthwan hangs in the balance... The Shadow King laughed bitterly. <laughs> Let me show you something. Without another word, he strode the last dozen paces to the pass's end. Frowning, Teclas followed, bracing his staff against the uneven ground. Nagarith was ever the least populous of the Ten Kingdoms, said Aletha Nar. Now look at it. The Shadow King swept his hand across the valley below, and the mist parted. To Teclas' surprise, it was thick with campfires and tents. They stretched as far as the eye could see, nestling in old ruins and tangled gorse. I had no idea. Nagarith now offers the only refuge in all Ulthwan, said Alethanar. Neither your master, he is not my master. Alethanar ignored the interruption. Nor your brother dare challenge me. Thus has the bitter king of Nagarith become the last hope of thousands. He laughed without humor. What strength remains in this land is pledged to their fate. Not Malekiths. Suddenly, the air was full of crows, their thunderous wings beat echoing through the pass. When they dispersed, Teclas was alone. We are back! Back, back, we're back. We're here. We're here talking. All right, so we're going to be a wedding. We all love a good wedding. Weddings make <laughs> things better. Uh, and it's going to unite all three elven thrones because you're going to be the wood elves have thrown in with Alariel, uh, the ever queen of the high elves, and then she's marrying uh, Malekith. That's going to unite. Uh, but she's very upset by this. Um, she knows she has to, but as soon as she's alone, she cries about it. And I'm wondering, do you guys think she's crying because it's, like, oh, no, I have to marry Malekith? Or she's crying because she realizes that she lost Tyrion and she really does love him? Or right. maybe, you think it's both? I think. Or maybe it's um, she's, she's, she's crying at the state of, you know, all the elven kingdoms and where they've, where they've ended up. Possibly, yeah. Um. So Malekith calls a conclave, and it's funny. The Dreadlords are far more accepting of this mix of princes and lords than the High Elf princes are. Uh, and it's basically because they've, they come, they're they walking in like, we won. 
Right. <laughs> We've been trying Woo-hoo, to take Ulthuan. Sharon. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've been trying to take Ulthuan and seat him as the Phoenix King for thousands of years. And here they are. And it's like, this rocks. I'm very pleased with this. So, um, you know, they, they, they basically, they have this meeting and they're all there. Uh, and this this sort of proves that they're right. And the next morning, the armies march out. And uh, Mr. Yu, that uh, that mm. really short paragraph the, in the column two, the next morning. Yep. The next morning, an army marched forth from L- Lothurn, marshaled under the banners of Nagaroth, Althawan, and Athelorn. Mal- Malekith and Alariel rode at its head, a king of brooding darkness, counterbalanced by a queen of radiant light. I just, I just love this. I really do. It is. He, it's. It's. It's the. It's the beautiful prom queen with the. With the. Yeah. With the emo. You know, angry. <laughs> you know. You know, guy who doesn't want to be there, but he's there, standing in the picture, scowling. Uh, it's just. It's just sort of fantastic. You know, it, if you took this paragraph and, and and read it, you know, five years, two years ago, it would be like. What? That's insanity. <laughs> you couldn't even picture that. It still kind of is insanity. Uh, although at this point, it's like, oh, okay. Well, at least I, I in get, context. It's... Yeah, in context, I get it, and that's I don't have. I, I guess I don't have so much of a problem with it. They've sold it well, I think, to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tyrion is all mopey and upset. They can't get Orion's spear tip out. It's like too close to his heart or whatever, so it's painful. Uh, Marathi's trying to trying to cheer him up. And I love her idea of cheering him up. Um, he want, he, no, he's sitting there. He wants to be the Phoenix King. He wants the le- legitimacy as the Phoenix King. That's why he wants Alariel. And Marathi's like, yeah, that's the only reason. Sure. Okay, I buy that, sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a little jealousy. And she tells him, oh, don't worry. You'll have her, at least until she bears you a son. That's, yeah, there, that, hey, Marathi, thanks for cheering him up. I know you <laughs> love, yeah. <laughs> Hey, don't worry. We'll get her, and you'll and you'll and you will you'll give it to her, and then you guys will have a kid together, and then we can kill her. It's like, <laughs> like <laughs> she's sick of the ad, isn't she? She really is. She yeah. really is. <laughs> telling her, telling the, telling her true love, her Anarian reborn. I can just picture him being all mopey and laying there, like with his head in her lap, all upset, and she's just stroking his hair. Don't worry, we'll get her for you. Da-da. We'll get her for you, and you guys will have sex, and you'll have a beautiful baby, and then we'll kill her. It's like, whoa, <laughs> you are sick. Oh. <laughs> Twisted. Yeah. If anyone needs to go, in my opinion, it's her. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> And dude, and I'm sorry. Her end just it. Uh, it wasn't. Oh, it's great. It was. I, I wanted more suffering for her. Like she. Needed, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, she, but she gets it. I, I would think eternally. Oh right? yeah, yeah. I mean, so we'll get to yeah. that. Um, Coriel hears this and he's like, "Dude, that's it. We got to do something." So he's like, "I have to do something." He gets home and Shadowblade is just like lounging at his house. <laughs> hey, uh, I know you're kind of sick of what's going on here, so. Um, won't you steal that blade and bring it back to Hellebron for me? And I could just picture Coriel being like, "Seriously, what are you doing to my house?" And uh, but he said, she says she can unmake the Widowmaker and end this. And Coriel basically is like, "Dude, even if she's lying, give it to her. She can't be any worse than Tyrion with this." You know, I mean, let's face it. Tyrion is like uh, he and Malekith are probably the two master strategists of their day. And you give this guy Widowmaker on top of it, and it's like, oh, Hellebron can't possibly do as much damage as he's doing. Give it to her. Mm. So he tells Adrana 
he gets an eagle and they sneak out in the middle of the night. He gets her up on the eagle and says, go, go tell Malekith what's going on. And she leaves and he gets a small group of white lions that he trusts and, and, and basically does a couple of schedule shift changes <laughs> on the guard duty to get all of his people on the same group. You can imagine they sat on the laptop just writing the works rotor. Right, make yeah. sure we get Phil and Tom in on uh, Tuesday night. Get yeah. them in the rotation. Hey, uh, you know, Ed, yeah, dude, you look like you need a break, man. Why don't you take tonight off? Phil's going to fill in. Okay, thanks, man. Yeah, seriously, go have some meat. It'll all be good. And so he gets his guys in there, and they grab the middle Widowmaker, and uh, and then they, they're going to leave to go do some scouting. They can't have too many or too few because, you know, it's got they got to go casual. Uh, Tyrion, yeah. yeah, I'm going to take some guys out and go on a patrol. I, I need to stretch my legs a bit. Okay, go ahead. And they grab Widowmaker and they bail. Um, but Tyrion, I mean, basically, they realize that the damn thing was stolen. And so they go after him. And they, they the riders catch up to him before he can get to Hellebron. So now we've got a huge battle coming. Um, I love how they're going along. Widowmaker's like, you can still get me to Hellebron. Just pull me out. Take me. Take me out. Let me kill stuff. Let me kill stuff. Um. Shadowblade shows up, helps fight Tyrion's riders. Corhill's like got only a, a few. A, a few, he's got a very small contingency of white lions, so they run for this shrine. Marathi's coming, Hellebron's coming. Huge battles going to have. Prince Danor's there, and I love how he's all like, "Yeah," because Marathi's just pumping his ego up because it's he's he's obviously this easily manipulated little social climber. <laughs> And she's like, oh, you need to come with because I'm certain you could take care of it. So he's out there giving 100% to try to impress Marathi. Um, and he sees Corhill over at the shrine, and he realizes that's the prize. It's not Hellebron. No matter whether she's there or not, she's not the main objective. So he goes after Corhill. Uh, and Marathi's totally got strength in numbers on this one. She's got them outnumbered. Uh, but Hellebron's forces, they got that cauldron, and they're all like psychotic and fearless. So uh, Danor's going for him. Witch elves are smashing there. Um, some of them get through. Like Danor gets through with a small contingency after getting beat up by witch elves. And I would make fun of him for getting beat up by a girl, but those witch elves are really actually quite tough. <laughs> so uh, I'm not even going to do that. I'm not even going to go there because I wouldn't want to face a witch elf. You're too busy staring at them that they're good looking, and next thing you know, your head's gone. So <laughs> Yeah, they're on you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... Um, he gets to Corhill and they're fighting. Marathi's got chariots coming up and slamming in the witch elves. Uh, you know, the executioners for Hellebron just go right through the spearmen. Surprise, surprise. And, <laughs> but then as they get through all the spear elves, surprise, a bunch of sword masters pop up. And it's like, uh oh. So, I mean, people are all bottlenecking. And so the only person making any progress anywhere is Hellebron. She's like the Tasmanian devil, just carving a, <laughs> yeah. a, a path through all of this. Um, and I love how Marathi ignores her. Marathi's like not even giving her the time of day, like not shooting magic at her, not sending forces against her, because they, they hate each other so much. She's not even going to give her the satisfaction of making her think she's a threat. So she's just like, the screw ultimate it. ultimate cat fight. Exactly. Winding her up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Mind so games. she... She's just killing warlocks and every. She's like, I'll just kill everything else and ignore you because like you're not the important thing that I need to worry about here. I'm more worried about your your foot soldiers than I'm worried about you. Um, and she's out there and killing stuff and laughing, and all of a sudden, Shadowblade lands on her and like kneels down on her chest and basically 
back when she you know had captured him, you know back in chapter one. Mm-hmm. I love this. He tackles her and he's like, "You, in, you know, you imprisoned my mind. I can't. I, you know, I'll never live that down." So he cuts her on the face. He goes, "One for every day I was captive," and then bails. Like he could have. He could have. <laughs> what are you doing? Exactly. He could have killed her, but no. He's he's like, no. I want you to live with this, like I had to live with this. And I'm like, petty, but <laughs> yeah, petty spitefulness. But it's so funny because it it actually says it's about an inch long, and it's not even deep. Like it barely bleeds, but it's poisoned, so that that will never heal. So basically, he took the perfect, you know, Marathi, and put a minor blemish on her face. And he knows how much that's going to wind her up because he takes off. And she loses her crap. She kills hmm. all her handmaidens for letting him through. Anyone with her dies. I'm just like... That's the way to press her buttons. Her limbs were trembling with humiliation and rage. Because she also, as he, as, as he sort of um, jumped on top of her, didn't she get pushed into like the mud or something? Oh, yeah. She stands up. Oh, she's wow. covered in filth. <laughs> <laughs> he cut her face. He could have killed her, and he left her, like laughing yeah. at her. I mean, just... said, by the way, I'm going to come back and give you another one soon. So, yeah. you watch, you watch your back, girl. Yeah, one for every day I was your captive. It's like, oh yeah. Even now, says less beautiful now. <laughs> mm. Oh, she starts, and then now she's livid. She's killed all of her own assistants. You know, really smart. And then turns around and just basically pu- calls down lightning and melts Hellebron's cauldron of blood. <laughs> That's just great. Turns it to slag. And now Hellebron is even more pissed. <laughs> and I love the whole thing there. That was the best cauldron of blood ever. Like, this is the most perfect cauldron of blood. And even if it wasn't, it was her cauldron of blood. <laughs> So, now, I guess earlier in the story it said w- there was one lore master from Hoeth decided to join Marathi. And he was there with some of these sword masters, and he's whipping magic around and doing all this stuff. And when she sees that magic slag her cauldron, she turns to the closest wizard. She kills all the sword masters who had stopped that entire unit of executioners. She goes flying and kills all the sword masters and then rips out this guy's throat with her teeth. <laughs> she bites out this lore master of all his throat mid-set, mid-spell. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. She's a nice girl, isn't she? She's vicious. <laughs> um, and then we get to the fight of Danor and Corhill, and basically, you know, they're fighting back and forth. Corhill does a better move, chops off three of Danor's fingers, and while he's holding his hand and screaming, he decapitates him. Yep, good old killing blow there. Go yep. get one of them in. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, after he kills Danor, Hellebron uh, with the with the with the cauldron slagged. The, the frenzy and all the benefits of the, all, you know, all the stuff that the cauldron gives your army goes away. And so they're no longer fearless. They're no longer frenzied. They're losing the battle. So the executioners grab her and drag her away. And I love how Coriel loves to notice. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, they're either going to be rewarded or dead by the end of the night. Like, depending on her mood for them saving her. If she appreciates them saving her, they're getting rewarded. If she says, hey, I could have kept fighting, they're all dead. But, uh... She takes off, so Marathi captures Corhill and gets Widowmaker. Um, but meanwhile, Adrana has gotten to Lothurn. Uh, and she gets there before he even stole it and left. You know, so 
she gets there and um you know he cuz he's like if Tyrion doesn't have this sword his you know, that's like you know we just that's took he's done yeah we just we we handed superman kryptonite we took away the green lantern's ring we took away batman's uh utility belt so go go now and start taking what we can do so he has uh Alariel open up the world roots and the first thing he does is he goes back to retake safari um so then this is the, and actually this is the first point where they start calling the forces the Asterian. Um mm. and there's so, a bit just to sorry, just to just take it back back a moment. When sure. um when Corhill is is captured essentially and he hands he basically just throws Widowmaker down and says to to Murphy, look, take it, I'm done, basically. I I think he's just completely dismayed about what sort of become of his nation and yep. he, he he tells he tells Marafi to to kill him there, but obviously she's not going to make it that easy for him. Um, so he's sort of taken alive and promised that a death will come, but yeah. you know it's it's not going to be nice. So that that comes up again shortly. Yeah. So then um, this is some interesting stuff going on with uh, Malekith. There's this. They go to take Tesselia or Tesselia, um, and this Lord Keelan. Uh, basically just drowns the city in magic, like just starts pulling all the magic into the city as Malekith's getting there, so much so that a warp rift opens up and destroys the city. <laughs> so there's just this barren landscape where the voices of the damned howl through the ice-cold winds. It's like <laughs> this is the type of stuff going on where Malekith's going through. Um, what was interesting is as they're going to get this, this is all happening in Safari. Um, as he's attacking Safari. The people in charge are basically like, we're not giving Safari back to Malekith. And the people are like, what do you want us to do? So they start forcing like the the citizens, the non-military portion, to take arms. Uh, anyone who said no was just killed. Everyone who said yes was sent out with crappy weapons and, and like in the vanguard, just like throwing them out. To sort of slow down Malekith, and it doesn't slow him down at all because these are untrained. Shoot, I just, excuse me, I just picture him like chopping down women and children and stuff like that. Like oh, every, gosh. you know what I'm saying? They're well, all this is just setting up some of the the later events, right? The lore of undeath and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, in the face of this, though, <laughs> with all this happening, when he finally does get to Safari, the lore masters of Hoeth are like, "Okay, we're with you." They're like, "We no, they." These the Tyrion's forces forced women mm. and children and old elves to go out and fight and put them out in the very front lines where you knew they'd get killed. We nah, we're with you now. So he's got the lore masters now behind him, which is a huge benefit. Um, but uh, so basically, now Tyrion and Marathian, the Widowmaker, are all back at Tor Allen. Corhill's in a dungeon. They dragged him the whole way back. They tied him to a chariot and just rode the chariot back with him getting dragged behind it the whole way back. Yeah, and the descriptions is of like scarcely an inch of his skin was unmarred by blood or bruise, and the flesh hung loose from his bones in too many places. But he had not cried out. So, But it's pretty, pretty horrible um, what, what's happening to Corhill now and about to. So. Pretty yeah. Hard. Again, like I mentioned before, like we sort of just read it, and but when, when you, I mean, if this was something you were watching on TV or something, it would be pretty, pretty disturbing. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
when your skin is not hanging right on your body, it's because I mean, parts of it have been torn away from the the muscle and the bone and stuff, and it's like, ugh, this is like a like like you know like the, like the like the scourging in the Last Temptation of Christ. It's like he's been dragged across this thing for all these miles, and it's just. Uh, I mean, he's a hot man. In fact, the, the description that we're going to read in a minute—it's just—it's—it's it's just oof. Yeah. Um, but so Tyrion obviously didn't go to get his weapon back. Marathi did because he actually went back to Avalorn and burnt it to the ground. Like he went there and like anyone who was left, he killed and he burnt the place down. Like he lost that battle there, and he was so pissed that he lost Alariel there. Like couldn't stand that the place remained remained standing so um then he gets back home and they he find out finds out what happens and it says that he beats Corhill for like a full day um yeah like marathi presents like the uh the the cell key almost as a gift like here you go go make yourself feel a bit better yeah Eesh. yeah but he beats him for like a full day and a night as the last Avalorny prisoner was brought forth, Corhill was dragged to the shrine summit by a pair of Marathi's handmaidens. He could not have made the journey himself. Tyrion's wrath of the previous eve had left the captain's legs a mess of mangled bone, his eyes empty and ragged holes. Corhill's body might have been broken, but his resolve was undimmed. Even as he was led to his death, he called out to Tyrion, begging the prince to see what he had become before others suffered. Tyrion struck Corhill to silence with a gauntleted fist and ordered him dragged to the center of the shrine. So, yeah, that's how bad shape. I mean, they broke his legs so bad that he couldn't walk. They gouged his eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's Jeez. Just, yeah, and then he tells Darloth that he, you know, he killed your brother. You can, you can kill him. Did, did we talk about um, just before that part? Before they bring Corhill out. Did we talk about all the beheadings that, that Tyrion had been doing for the entire day up to them? Oh, that's right. He spent the whole day executing every prisoner from uh, uh, from Avalorn. Avalon, yeah. I mean, he just stood there. I mean, I was picturing like like the like you see the Mayans, the the, mm, yeah. the human sacrifice, just because he was up on top of that shrine, just yeah, chopping a head off. Just you know, and they bring another body, chop their head off, another body, chop their head off the whole day. You know, at their at their worst, do you think Tyrion is is more evil than Malekith was? That's a hard um, question. I mean, I don't know if we've we've read. I mean, this is. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of comparisons to Game of Friends have been drawn to some of the stuff they've done mm-hmm. here, but I feel like they haven't writ, written in this maybe quite so brutal way maybe previously mm. i don't know if that's just the changing of of times and it, it, it's more maybe stylistic or acceptable to to write like that but some of the stuff is pretty it's pretty extreme i'd say for mm. for fantasy fluff i reckon i know a lot of people think it like gw have toned it down with like covering up tits on like witch house and stuff but um so yeah some of the stuff in here is is pretty hard reading so i i suspect that malekith probably has been doing plenty of stuff like this f- over the years, but mm-hmm. maybe we just haven't heard heard it in such graphic detail. I yeah, don't know. True, true. But then, is Malekith doing it? Would he, would he say he was trying to? I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know if he would personally. He might order someone to do it. But I don't. Yeah. Know, spend the whole day doing it. Yeah, Tyrion's just caught right. up in this bloodlust. He's enjoying thing. it. Yeah, he's enjoying yeah. it for sure. He, I don't even think he's himself anymore at this point. I mean, he you know calling out to him, look what you've become. I mean. Right. The Tyrion we've all read about would take no joy in doing this, and especially not in doing it 
all day. Whereas yeah. it's going on, he's getting bloodier and bloodier and more and more enthused about the work. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, he, but Tyrion did not tire. Rather, he grew more frenetic with each body that collapsed, lifeless, to the gore-drenched stones. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's pretty pretty dark. And like you say, it's the sort of thing he could easily just get someone else to do it. But he's obviously doing it because he wants to. Mm. Yeah. So. And Marathi then takes uh, Child, his uh, Corhill's big axe, and she gives that to to what's his name. Uh, Darloth. Darloth. Tells him, you can kill him with this. It, don't use your own sword. Kill him with this. And she's like, it is a big clumsy weapon, though, so we'll all understand if it takes you more than one whack to, to get the job done. So basically, he purposely doesn't decapitate him. He basically chops into him a bunch and hurts him a little more before mm. killing him. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty horrible. It's a pretty, pretty sad part of the book, I thought, because I feel like, I mean, before this book, Corhill wouldn't have been someone I'd really cared too, too much about but i think the way he was written across it you when when this happens it's one of it's like oh it's one of the more um i don't know if i want to say emotional but yeah we'll go with that um deaths across the series so far i think yeah it's pretty gruesome and they yeah. and they, yeah, and they do drag it out and make sure like mm-hmm. make sure it hurts you know yeah yeah um it's funny because uh the enchantments that adrana had put on her and corhill to protect them has sort of bound them so when he dies she knows it and she tells Malekith, dude, he's dead, and they've got Widowmaker back. And Malekith, I love, Malekith had some respect for Corhill because he stood up to Tyrion, but he yeah. lost far more respect because he failed. So, <laughs> you, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, hey, you know, five points for trying, but minus 50 for failing. Like, you know. Loser. Exactly. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's you know, it's not about the attempt. It's, you know, it's not how you play the game. It's whether you win or lose on this one, and you lost, so. I think the most tragic thing about his death is that, you know, he and his weapon, that huge axe, is such an iconic, you know, visual. The weapon is so iconic. And for him to be beheaded by his own weapon is yeah. just, you know, that's yeah. just so sad. Yeah, so. It is, yeah, it is sad. And then basically, um, uh, what winds up happening is, uh, you know, Malekith. Just move. He's on the move. Like he's got Widowmaker back. We've got to. We've got to get going. The battle's going to start. Uh, uh, start fresh from here. Um, they were moving even before they found out that Avalorn was burned. Much less that all these other. So she felt his death, but the his, their their network hasn't even gotten them news of what happened like two days earlier yet. Um, but he, she already felt it is going. Um, you know what? Let's take uh, another quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, start getting to these skirmishes and start getting closer and closer towards the uh, the big final battle. All the right. end. All right. That sounds good. Break cool. time. Erloff saw the Phoenix King draw away from the fight and knew that he was afraid. Others amongst Malekith's ranks saw it too, and his fear fed their own. Haltingly at first, the center of the Phoenix King's line began to retreat. Aeroloth alone stood his ground. Talson! he cried, his spear raised to serve as a rallying point. Talson, we hold here! Eternal guards came forward at their lord's word, some shamed by his determination, others glad to be given direction. Spears thickened about Aeroloth, and shields slammed into place. 
but there were too few to hold the skeletons sweeping up the rise. Too few by far. The whites were but a score of paces from Airlock now. He could see where teeth had fallen free of jaws, where long ago wounds had marred their skulls. Others came forward to thicken Airlock's thin line. Not just Wood Elves this time, but Phoenix Guard and cold-eyed warriors of Nagarond. It was a thin bulwark against the oncoming horde, thought Airloth, but perhaps it would hold long enough for Malekith to recover his nerve. Risking a quick glance away from the approaching whites, Airloth's keen eyes sought out the Phoenix King. Seraphon's shadow was dark against the southern skies, her master's thoughts unreadable. Airloth saw Malekith turn to meet his gaze with one of his own, so filled with malice and bitterness that the Lord of Telson nearly recoiled. But Aerloth held true and met Malekith's challenge with one of his own. As Aerloth turned back to face the foe, he heard Malekith's laughter echo across the battlefield. Kings of Ulthuan! The Phoenix King spat the words as a curse. You are usurpers and thieves! You owe me a debt! In my name and in that of my father, I call upon you to repay it now! We're back. Backity, backity, back. We're back. Back, 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 back. Back, 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 back. <laughs> Hey! Outrageous! No outrageous. <laughs> hey, I stopped playing the monster magnet music coming back from the commercials. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> well, our little private conversation. If I hear that damn song again, I'm not doing the show anymore. All right, well, that, that song's out then, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 threw down the gauntlet, and I I I said you, you win. <laughs> you answered with vigor, so yes. I do appreciate that. <laughs> all right, so um, now they're fighting all in the mountains between Safari and Kathik, and there's like all these weeks of skirmishes going on back and We've forth. Got, we got something really really important we need to touch on here. Go Page ahead. 114. Okay. The first mention in the book of Manticores. It's taken 114 pages. We're finally there. I think it's pretty much the only thing across all the elven races that hadn't been got mentioned, but finally there in a... Yeah. Yeah, and now, Elith and our show's up right around now, too, so... <laughs> uh, but uh, it's going bad for Malekith. Morathi is calling down all the monsters from the mountains against him and against the dragons. So, yeah, you've got manticores and all these other beasts, harpies and stuff, and they're attacking all of his foot soldiers, but it's also going after the, like, all this flying stuff is, is making a lot of trouble for the dragons and the dragon riders. And uh, they're getting killed, too. And at this point, Malekith's like, uh, you know what? I, there, you've gotta, we, you guys, you got to go. You can't keep fighting here. And Imric doesn't want to get pulled back, and neither do his dragon riders. I mean, they're a brave bunch of guys. They don't want to get pulled out of the fight, you know? But uh, Malekith's like, uh, no. He goes, you guys are way too important for me to be losing you to manticores and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know what I mean. It's a, you know, <laughs> you, I gotta, I, I'd like to have you facing Tyrion and his forces and not, you know, monstrous animals. I know you like the manticore. Hey, I've got one, too. I've got the, I have the Mersha one, so I know how beautiful they are. I just. Uh, you could be a manticore club. <laughs> we should. We should start a club, the Manticore Club. It'll be an international club of people who love and own oh Manticore models. That's I'm starting that. Don't that that's happening. That is uh, I, that thing is happening. Sweet t shirts. That oh, that'll buds. be the next contest. 
We're going to announce a contest at the end of the show. Whoever gets us the best logo for the Manticore Club is going to win <laughs> something from the prize closet. I think I've got another copy of... Uh, Dreadfleet? No, that's gone. <laughs> I gotta ship that out It'll still. Be up. No, no, no. I've got a copy of um uh, from. Did you say you've just? Did you say you've got to ship that out? Was that a pub now? Oh, that, you know what? That I'm, I have to put it in the post. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a copy of Dead Zone. Another copy of a full the hundred dollar big box set of Dead Zone from Mantic Games. So wow. that'll be it. The Manticore Club. You just thought of the contest. Fantastic! <laughs> I love, love this episode. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so okay. So he's pulling back. He's not letting the dragons fight. Um, and now Malekith's spies are coming to him, and they're like, "Oh, they they want to overthrow you. They're getting sick of you." And he's like, "Really? Execute them?" And Texas like, "No, no. Wait a minute. No, we're not executing anybody." <laughs> Show. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he does. He, this is this is another bit of brilliance. This is the stuff I love about Malekith. Fine, I won't kill him. In fact, I tell you what, I think it's great that they're they're brave enough to speak their minds. Bravery like that should be rewarded. I'm going to promote them. And, you know, <laughs> did like, you know, it's it's like Darth. It's a Darth Vader promotion. All right. You're <laughs> in charge of the front lines now, Prince. Uh, Prince Fringle Dingle. And they go to the front lines, and he lets Tyrion kill them for him. <laughs> so basically everybody who says they want to overthrow him gets an immediate promotion to generalship of the Vanguard armies, and Tyrion kills them for him. Hey, at least uh, you ha- have his death serve a purpose, right, for the greater good. Yeah, the great for the greater good. Uh, the elves may not like Malekith, but they do not doubt his determination to fight. Um they talk about this is some cool stuff there. He's standing alone against entire hordes of elves, you know, just going in and landing in the middle of a fight and just taking on. He's killing hundreds of elves by himself in a battle, just killing and killing and killing, screaming across the battlefield to Tyrion to face him. And Tyrion's like, nope, that's <laughs> not going to have that fight. And I'm not saying Tyrion's a coward, but why bother to have that fight when you can try and drown him in in your other elves, you know? Um, and this is where it starts to get really bad for Malekith. It gets really bad for Malekith because widow, uh, the more elves die to Widowmaker, the stronger Cain gets. And the stronger Cain gets, the more that aura of bloodlust radiates from from, tech, uh, from Tyrion and from his army. So, um, you know, they're fighting and Malekith's actually killing a lot more elves than are dying on his side, but at the end of these battles, a lot of his elves defect and go join Tyrion. Mm. So even though they're winning the, the the battles, they're they're still losing this war of attrition because for every you know two guys he kills, one of his guys runs over to take his place. So it's uh, it's it's not good at all. Uh, then then finally the Wood Elves show up and join him, which is helpful to bolster his numbers. Um, this is actually during a battle where Adrana's fighting and her brother is like getting to getting close to her and is uh, going to kill her. But the Wood Elves finally show up and sort of save the day and save her. And they basically make a pledge. They say they're not leaving Alariel's side until this war is over one way or the other. So the Wood Elves are going to fight next to Alariel. All the Wood Elves are going to fight next to Alariel. Until this is over, so that's kind of that's kind of cool. The Wood Elves may be the smallest of the three Elven nations, but they're not tiny either, you know. And the entire nation is unified 
Uh, the dryads didn't leave the forest because they don't like they don't like elves or humans anyway. Hmm. But you got the tree men <laughs> and you got all the elves, and I mean, it's still that's a sizable number have joined them. Um, but he's still losing. He's got Alariel on his left. He's got Imric on his right. And so finally he sends Teclis. Teclis, the PR guy. Listen, just go and talk to everybody and ask them to please come. We need them here at the party. <laughs> um, they're all invited. Yeah, they're all invited. Uh, some join up with Teclis, but some stay neutral. And they just still, they're like, you know what? You're right. Tyrion is, your brother has become a monster. But how are you and Malekith any better? And so there's still still neutrals at this point. Um, and then he goes to see Aletha Nar. And, of course, that's awesome because it's Aletha Nar. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not welcome here. <laughs> but it, it's really cool, though, because he shows him how um, his, his, his lands have become a safe haven for all the refugees in Old Fon. These battles that have been going back and forth that he hasn't chosen a side yet. He's basically taken in all the people who have been left homeless from the because of these battles, and he's giving them a place to live in safety. And he's like, "I'm yeah. not picking sides. I'm I'm picking up the pieces." And I I thought that was pretty cool. And um, even says that no one, neither Malekith nor Tyrion, dare to challenge him there. No one, no one's gonna, no one's gonna mess with him. Basically, yeah, <laughs> and he knows it. it it's kind of great. It's like I don't have the numbers and I don't have the power, but. You know what? For thousands of years, none of you could even find me if I don't want to be found. Yeah. He's and, awesome. Yeah. And, have, you, have, have you warmed to him yet, Chris? Uh, you know, at, at times I do. He's got so it kind a, of comes and goes. He's such a hero. I mean, he is such a hero. He's like this lone guy who is still upholding the high elf tradition and but maintaining his land. But he's also such an elf. He's like, screw the rest of you. I need to protect my lands. Where were you when I was when when my family was standing up to Malekith and asking for your help? Nowhere. So my, I watched my parents and my family get slaughtered, and I'm standing up. He is. He's defending Gotham. He is totally Batman. Yep. He doesn't. Uh, I, care. I, I think he's more defending his. He's definitely defending his own interests. What happened to coincide with you know. But even before this battle, other elven interests. But at the end, especially when he has to make a decision, and we'll touch on this, you know, even then his his decision is kind of altered, right? Uh, beyond his control, the shot that he takes. I don't think so. No, that was that was in the first part, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Okay, yeah, that was in the yeah, first part. Was that was, yeah. that was at the uh, altar of Cain, where his uh, mm-hmm. his shot was was knocked off balance, wasn't it? Yeah. No, at the end, and but even at the end, his decision is a weird decision. I, 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 I like what he does. He is really just, but he is the the quintessential loner in this whole yeah. book. It's just like I'm protecting me and mine, and I'm not asking. You know, I asked for help, and everybody, I, everybody I knew died when we asked for help. So I'm not asking for help anymore. If you need me, I may show up to help you if it's in my interests. But that's, I mean, I just like the, like the way he's written. I mean, you do get some actual dialogue with him in here, but other times he pops up, he does his thing, and it's barely referenced even that it's him. But you just know he comes up, he does his thing, then he's gone again. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no no one, nothing unnecessary about it. He just that's him. He does his stuff. A silent guardian, a dark I think, knight. I, I think he's awesome. <laughs> I, do I do too. I have such a man crush on him. I can't help or an elf crush. <laughs> I guess he's just too cool. Um, okay, but still, I, I find him. Uh, you know, he's bearable. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, so but, yeah, we'll just agree to disagree. Okay. So uh, Alethanar is not taking sides, no, but Malekith cannot win because there's just there's not enough. And here's the thing: even if he figures out a way to win, it's going to cost so many lives that there will be too few elves left to fight against the demons, which Teclas has in the you know this is the end game is not winning Ulthuan. The end game is uniting Ulthuan to fight the demons. So this battle, it, it can't just be fought to the last elf because then they lose the big picture. Like this this whole battle for Ulthuan is not the war. Even though the guys playing in it think it is, Teclis is still standing back as the as this as moving for the and he you know I, I guess people you know, I, I've heard other people saying that you know he should have just told people something. He's so stupid. Like if he would just quit keeping his secrets and explain it, people nobody would follow him if he explained everything. Because mm. uh, because Malekith, I mean, he even tells him, "Don't try to manipulate me for your own stuff. I'm doing this because I'm supposed to roll Ulthuan. And they they are. I mean, there's nobody here who he's like. But really, we've got to save the whole world from the demons. They're all going to be like, no. They're in there fighting for their homeland, and he's sort of just manipulating it to try and make sure that, because he sees that there's that despite the fact that that's everybody else's end game, he sees that it's not. There's as soon as we unite, there is danger around the corner, and I got to make sure we come out of this ready. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so Teclis is like, we got to go go to the island of dead and, and shatter the vortex and take all the different winds of magic. And make it ours, just like Nagash took the the death magic. And Malekith is like, oh, hell no. Nope. <laughs> and Teclis is surprised. Like, what, you don't want the power? But remember, at the end of the Sundering trilogy, he tried to pull that crap and and sank half of Ulthuan. Yeah. You know, it, it, that was that whole last scene where all the, the great bits of Ulthuan broke off and in Nagaroth and stuff. And then they turned into the great arcs. Um, was because he tried this. He's like, ah, no, I, I, I didn't come here to destroy this place. I came here to rule it, and that would just—he was convinced it'll destroy it. Uh, and Teclis is like, if I could just get Liliath to speak to him, I know he'd listen, but she won't show up. So he talks to Alariel and Imric, and Alariel's like, no, but Imric's like, this is exactly what Calador Dragon Taylor told me we needed to do. So I'm with you, and she's like, well, really, well, fine. <laughs> And so she goes along with a two to one. I guess I got to go with you guys. It's a democracy. What uh, Alariel doesn't know that this is all part of Lilith's plan. And if she had known that, she might have been like, I don't know. She kind of poisoned my other half. I don't know about this. So, but where's the Lilith been? She's not answering Teclis's call because she's out with Eldira. Back at Castle Drakenhof. This yeah, it gets a bit weird here now, doesn't it? It does. Well, this is great because all these little bits were sort of happening in the other books, and now it's like, you know what? It's one of the few times they actually went back to something to a thread they left dangling and, and tied it off. This isn't how I thought that would get tied off. <laughs> oh, me neither. Uh, Eldira, remember we all thought she was turned into a vampire? Mm. Well, no, she wasn't. When Nagash destroyed... Now, when he destroyed Aerith Kial which is the elven name for the god of the dead. When Nagash went into the realm of the dead and killed that god of the dead, that's mm-hmm. not what they called him. I forget what his name was. I don't have the book in front of me, but it wasn't Aerith Keol, I don't think. I'm almost positive it wasn't. That's his elvish name. So, But he still, he destroyed it, and the, her divine remnants, when, he, when Nagash did that and went down there and destroyed her, those bits ran, and they, bound, they were bound themselves to Eldira. 
I think um, he destroyed the whichever god that was. But I think this this is the um, Erith Kiel is a separate god. That's the elven the, the elven goddess. Um, and it says that it was just a ritual that destroyed her. So I think I think it is a separate. Oh, so, oh you entity. know, I misread that. So that wasn't where he went down at the end of the battle. No, no, that, that was um, that wasn't Nagash, was it? That was. Um, um, what's he called? Dieter Hellsnitch, wasn't it? Who went down and became the Lord of the Underworld. Oh, you know what? You're right. I sh- oh, I'm, okay. Here, let me back up and edit that out because I sound like a moron. <laughs> All right. So, but so what happened was, you know, she wasn't a vampire. Um, when uh, that's what that was. When Nagash did the spell where he killed, where he killed Illyrial and Tyrion's daughter. Um, and although remember he was in the statue, the Circle of the Nine. And he did that ritual, and he basically destroyed the elven god of the dead in the process of controlling all the death magic. I guess when he sucked up all the death magic, she had no more power or something. Yeah. And so she wound up dying, and her it's like the remnants of her essence went into Eldira. I don't know how, <laughs> but she, I mean, hey, let's face it. She was an elf. She was female. She was there. She was at the ritual that had to go somewhere. She was closest. I mean, it could literally be that simple. I think it probably is, yeah. You know, I mean, how many movies have you seen where this this huge power goes off and hits the closest guy? I mean, hell, even in Ghostbusters, what's-his-name becomes the key master, like dorky dude, because he happened to be the guy who was standing there, you know? That's a terrible analogy, but shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It works. Manfred probably would have noticed something and tried to steal that power from her except he couldn't because he was off doing what Nagash wanted him to do um so he doesn't notice so the Rafalim and I, I I love the name the Rafalim cuz the only other name similar to this I know is the Nephilim which is yeah. which is basically uh the the Nephilim are uh half angel half human children like they're like Weird things that don't actually show up in the Bible, but they mention them, and that's apparently like they're mentioned once in the Bible or twice. Hmm. Uh, they're supposed to be when angels came down to earth and decided to mate with human women, and that's what their offspring were. I have no idea if this is a nod to that because it's only a single letter difference, but that's what I kept thinking of. Right. You yeah, know? it's the same. Yeah. Nephilim are sort of um, in, in other games and things, aren't they? In various yeah. sort of. Um, fantasy fiction that they're, they're in there, so I I, I think that's exactly yeah, what but it they're is. like half angels, you know. That's right. Yeah, you have the seraphim who are um, normal angels and nephilim half. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Look at you, very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they are bringing her hundreds of souls every day that they have saved or stolen from Slanesh as they're dying. Um, and Lilith is staying with her and showing her how to use that power. And at first she hates it because she's taking the power from the souls, but by doing it, she's destroying their souls. They're just, they're, they're, they no longer exist. They're not going into any sort of an afterlife. She's using their power and it basically destroying their essence completely. But now she gets enough power and learns how to use it that she basically shatters the cage that she's been imprisoned in, blows the walls open, kills the guards, and goes walking off into the mountains. <laughs> Yeah, to go to learn how to use her power. And she doesn't really show up again until later, but it's kind of pretty cool that it's like, okay, wait, wait, what's going on? She's taking a break from the war to help you become the new elven god of the dead? What this, it didn't really make sense when I first read it, but I'm like, oh, okay, I, you know, either they'll, either they'll explain it later or they won't. I mean, I still don't know who the nameless is. I still don't know what happened when, when, uh, 
Setra got his body back. Maybe you know, I'll figure this one out later. Hopefully. Yeah, they were like you say. It's good they're coming back round to these things, and it does sort of show that there was an overall picture in mind, doesn't it? When when uh, sort of planning the series rather than write one book, write another one, and then just see how it goes. Yeah, no, they laid down a few crumbs in the early ones that they keep coming back to, which is nice. And I'm hoping like they're it, doing yeah. that more in the last book because I haven't read it yet either. No, I haven't even read Thankful yet. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on Thankful right now. Yeah. So, but so back on Oath One, um, dude, elves are just actively defecting to Tyrion's side at this point. Like, they get the bloodlust, Tyrion's side, will, they'll let us kill anything we want, and they go running off to him. And it's not just, before it was during a battle. Like, the bloodlust would take them over and they would switch sides. Like, before or during or right after a battle. Now it's just happening. Like, you wake up in the morning and there's less tense. They, like, packed up and left in the middle of the night. Um, so Ilariel talks to Malekith, and she's just like, dude, you cannot win this in a straight-up fight anymore. You can't. You need to do something. So they agree to the plan. What they don't know is Techless, the ruthless Techless, is tossing magic about weakening their resistance to Kane's influence <laughs> so that they'll start going so that he will let him do his plan. Dude, that's, that's, and the manipulation is just... Yeah. It's kind of brilliant. I mean, dude, he... he he let his own niece die. In fact, he sent his own niece to die, and when she got broken free, he went back and got her captured again at least once more to make sure that she would get killed. So what's a few more hundred or thousand elves defecting to the wrong side and, and, and causing more bloodshed as long as he gets his plan, which is break these waystones and grab each type of magic and attach it to one of them, just how Nagash stole the death magic. So they're still over in Safri. They abandon the Tower of Hoeth. They're like, they're knowing. And now they head over to the coast and they're like waiting for Felhart to show up to take him to the Isle of the Dead. But he's late. And they're like, they're waiting. They're checking their watch. And he's, oh, maybe well, he'll be here. And suddenly Tyrion's forces start showing up. Like, man, I hope he shows up quick. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Tyrion's forces are sort of getting up to where Malekith's rear guard is. So his vanguard is actually starting to, you know, to engage in battles with the rear guard of Malekith's forces, and still no Felhart. And everyone's like, what the hell? So Alariel jumps into Skycutter and heads north when Felhart's supposed to be coming from the west. So now Malekith's like, where are you going? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> and do, you know, do you notice how Skycutters are only used for transport, not actually for battle in this book? <laughs> pretty much. Well, a couple, I think once or twice they show up in a battle, but not in any really... <laughs> no, nothing of consequence. Well, so. I mean, heck... You know when they should have been used is when they when Corhill ran with Widowmaker and they're talking about how they're coming through that swampy area and they're like and Marathi's bringing in chariots. I'm like through the swamp? That's like a dangerous terrain test right there. <laughs> Where's the sky cutters? They could fly over that crap. No, 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 no. Yeah, if you wanted to bring Corhill a message, <laughs> yeah, know, sky cutter all the or, way or a sandwich or something. Then, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, all this is going on, and he's just not coming. So now Tyrion's vanguard is going. So now he's like, Malekith's like, we've got to fight. So he gets up a big shield wall, and these guys are there, and they're like ready to ready to hold it. And then they look, and they see, oh, there's ships coming. And then it's not their ships. It's Aislinn's ships. And they're like, oh, this is bad. Um, but as they're watching these ships come, and they're all nervous, and they're trying to form battle lines, Alariel is flying ahead of them on the Skycutter. And then he lets go uh, 
he starts flying Malekith's colors. Like I'm picturing Tyrion's colors, just sort of, sort of like 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 fluttering off the, the 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 you know the mast, and a new the new colors unfurling, showing that it's Malekith mm-hmm. outside. Um, and you're like, wait, w- w- okay, how did this flip happen? But I guess he found out what Tyrion did in Avalorn, and he went there, and he was actually seeing what was going on in Avalorn, and she knew it. Well, because she knows what goes on in any forest, even if it's burned down, apparently. So <laughs> so she went over there, and he, he looked at her, and he begged Elariel's forgiveness and said, I'll fight with you now, and switched sides. So he's coming, and they see him coming, but he's still got to get there, and he's still got to load up. So they get their shield wall going, and Tyrion comes in, and, dude, talk about not fighting like an elf army. They just rush in on their own, full speed, you know? No order, no discipline, just yeah, a frenzy to the extreme. Exactly, like barbarians, and um, and so they come in, and that actually I think helps. Um, I think that actually helps Malekith's army because they keep that order, that shield wall, and they are able to hold it. It takes four hours. For them to get all the boats up and get them loaded and get them pulled out. And for four hours, the shield wall holds off this completely disorganized, frantic, crazy attack. And when it's finally time for the shield wall to like collapse and, and, and back off, um, th- that's when the dragons come flying in and just start laying down fire on anyone who's in the way. And uh, they're doing that uh, just to give them a chance. And they, so they all jump on the boats. I like they use the tree men like wading out into the waters to like, l- like basically lift people up onto the ships. Yeah, I was kind Pretty of picturing good. more of them just going out into the water and sort of standing there, like holding on to the to the deck with one hand and putting out their other arm. Oh, Rob. Yeah, exactly. And the elves yeah. just running <laughs> up, running the, up it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they're 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 uh, you know they're very nimble, <laughs> you know, so running right up the ship. Um, Give me about five minutes. Just wait, and. Um, so they go in there, and uh, this is great. So as Malekith is finally boarding the ship, he finally sees Tyrion show up all the way in the back against again. Tyrion finally shows up and sees them there. And he's like, well, no time to fight now. Everybody's on the boat. So again, they're not going to get to fight. So they get in the boats, and they sail away, and they go for about a, about a day. And then they see Felhart coming the other way, and they're like, oh, crap. Like, we're completely lo- loaded down with with elves. There's no way we can fight, like, any in any way. Well, they don't know. Do they know at this point that Felhart switched sides? I think so, because they said he was flying Tyrion's colors. Uh, so, and, but was it at that point? Yeah. They didn't know before then, did they? No. He just hadn't showed up for them. No, when he finally shows up flying Tyrion's colors, they realize what happened. Yeah. That Cain sort of, you know, he, he got grabbed by Kane's madness as well. And there would have been a scrap, except he goes sailing by just as quick as he can because, <laughs> well, Tyrion lost Aslan, so he doesn't have a navy either at this point. So, you know, basically each of them stole the other guy, the other guy's navy from him. So it's a, it's a basically a zero, <laughs> a zero net difference. Yeah. But the cool thing happens here right before the final battle. We'll do this and we take a break. Aslan jumps in that sky cutter that Alariel had and well, goes hey. because <laughs> he's got to take a message, and he flies over to Felhart's ship and lands on the ship at where Tyrion is. And Tyrion's like, I should execute you. He's like, yeah, maybe you should. 
But then he's like, he, he's like, so what are you, what are you doing here? And he calls down this curse, say that the, you know, may the ocean take you or whatever it is. Tyrion stabs him through the chest, but not before he lays down this curse. And the skies turn black, and lightning starts coming, and it just wrecks Felhart's fleet. <clears throat> Felhart's fleet is wrecked. And when we come back, I will give a little teaser uh, of the five ships of the twelve ships that he had. Only five survived, and uh, basically the Asterion is down to about 10,000 elves, which, which evens it up with Malekith's army. So the final battle, they're walking in with even number of elves. And we will come back in a minute. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the final battle. Excellent. Folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mierce Miniatures at MierceMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter... Those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com, and seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. The final battle. Yes. All right. So Tyrion's forces land in the north. Him and Marathi are coming down the center. Darloth is leading the western column. They've got Felhart leading the eastern column, and they're all coming straight due south. And as they get near the vortex, Malekith's already there with his forces, and they've already taken defensive positions, and they're ready to go. Numbers are about equal. This is looking good for Malekith. And then Tyrion turns around and goes, ha, 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 come on. And all those elves that died along the shores of the Isles of the Dead for however long, all the skeletons and the rotting and the, and the, and the waterlogged, they all get up and go on his side. Two huge hordes. So big, each horde is larger than Malekith's entire force. (laughs) So they went from being equal to being outnumbered at least three to one. Um, Then 
five of the Phoenix Kings that are buried there come out of their tombs. And this pretty much offends everybody. Like everybody on Malekith's side looks at that and said, oh, hell no, you didn't just do that. So you've got this. Um, there were five of these whites in all. Anarian and Teflis's bodies had never been recovered, and Kalador I had been lost at sea. Caradriel and Belhathor had died peacefully, so Cain had no command over their bones, whilst Morviel had no remains to speak of, having burnt to ash in the flames of Assyrian. Furthermore, none of Valeriel's predecessors arose. Of all the Everqueens, only Asteriel had died with a blade in her hand, and she had been consumed, body and soul, by a demon of Slanesh. Yeah, so no Everqueens, but you've got five, five wraiths of, uh, or whites of the, um, of, of Phoenix Kings coming out. Mm. Um, and once again, Tyrion is so hell-bent on fighting that he doesn't wait for all these dead bodies he raised to catch up to him. And it actually says if he'd have waited, they could have just swept right through Malachi's forces if they would have hit him all at once. But instead, he just rushes in like a maniac, like the way they've been fighting. Just no strategy, no, no sense of order, just, you know, death! And then they go running in. Yeah, if I mean what you just said there, I don't know if you've got your your books to hand, but on on the the, the little watercolor sections which we've talked about in the previous episodes right. that they do pre battle. Um, just going on to the one, we'll come come back to the Phoenix Kings Alliance, but going on to 122, uh, which is Tyrion's army. You look at the the As the Ascane, I guess you, is that how you pronounce them? Uh, they that the, oh the, yeah the Ascane yeah. If you look at the drawing there, that's pretty much. Uh, just summarizes the description you just gave there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. These elves that have just completely lost it and are just sort of flailing around. Some of them aren't even fighting with weapons now, tearing with fingers and teeth. Uh, yeah, just desperate to feel blood across their skin. Yeah, completely so, without fear, but seldom fought with the skill they once possessed. And if you look at the paint, the watercolor paint, they don't. Yeah. They look almost like undead. Like I'm looking at yeah. their faces. I right. thought those were the ones who came out of the ground, and some of them are. But I was like, oh, this is just they're they're crazy. Yeah, absolutely, madam. What a cool pick of Lockyer Fellhart there, just uh, yeah, <laughs> as well. I love Lockyer Fellhart. I don't. He's awesome. Yeah, there's a character who did. I don't think he ever gets enough screen time because, like, I know nothing about him. Other He's than relatively he... new as well in the background. He only sort of really came in in probably seventh edition. I think. I don't think he was well, in yeah, yeah, seventh edition. He was in. Um, if we look at the Phoenix Kings Alliance, just going back a page further, one thing I really, really like is this um, sort of amalgamation of the the Black Guard and the Phoenix Guard, mm-hmm. who are now known as the Shadowfire Guard. It does say they don't sort of um, intermingle; they do fight as Black Guard and Phoenix Guard, but side by side. And I, I, I think that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, it is cool. Sort of a best of both worlds. Yeah, just like get... in the book. Hey, we get to fight in an extra rank and re-roll our failed <laughs> yeah. to wound roll. I mean, it's, you know. And for the uh, for, for some of the more old school fans, there uh, you get a little nod of uh, Scarlock's archers, which are, which are an old uh, regiment of renown from. Well, they've been in really really old editions, but that's that's kind of cool as well. Oh, little, that is cool. There. But yeah, they, I, I, I do enjoy those those pages. Yeah, no, the the the, the list. I mean, we've been skipping them because there's no point in listing everything that goes into the fight. No, uh, it would literally add. You know, there's what four of them, four four big battles in this book, and it would add like 20 minutes to just read them all. Yeah, but um, they just look so good. They're so much fun to look at and read those those they bits are. of fluff. That's another reason. If you're just listening to us, you should really go and at least, you know, if you don't want to buy it, borrow one of your friends who bought it. Everybody knows who plays this game. Knows somebody who bought this. 
They didn't sell out because nobody was buying them, you know. <laughs> so, um, so Tyrion goes running in. Aroloth and Skarin are fighting alongside Malekith. I love Skarin. The 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 his hawk is just like gouging out elf eyes wherever he can. Yeah. Uh, Marathi and her handmaidens are frying everything their magic can touch. They're just if you get near them, they fry you with electric. You know, <laughs> like walking around like Jedi, like 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 Sith lords, just shooting lightning out of their <laughs> fingertips. Yeah, you know? it's like that, actually. <laughs> um, and Tyrion's forces are fighting with all this bloodlust. And Malakith's guys are fighting because they have no choice. This is like they know this is their last stand. So you got these two armies, this crazy bloodlust army, and these other guys were like, "Well, this is it. We we fight here or we die." Um, Imric and the Dragon Riders are on the western flank, burning up all the Charybdises, messing up. Yeah, bring the guys with flame against all this stuff that has regen, and they just fly them in. Um, and Felhart's line is starting to crumble. Um, the Wood Elf War Dancers are going after Darloth, um, and Alariel. Now, Alariel sees all this going on, and she doesn't set all of her magic against, uh, Against uh, Marathi's magic, she kind of realizes what's going on here, and there's there's I mean they're at the they're at the Isle of the Dead. There's enough winds of magic that to you could suck whatever you need out of it. So she starts sending her spell weavers to all the different lords of uh, and the different lords of Athalorn. She sends them away from the fight. She sends them all to the to, to the ten kingdoms of the of Ulf One. Um, it basically just in case. She's getting them ready for an evac, basically. Contingency. <laughs> yeah, she's, it's, it's clever, though, because she doesn't tell anybody, it seems, she's doing this. It's just yeah. like in the back of her head, she realizes everybody's got their mindset on this fight. And, and Teclis is obviously thinking about the fight to come. She's the only one thinking about, well, there's a lot of elves who aren't here, and they need to be okay, too. So she's healing the wood elves. Uh, you know, Darla's moving Now... Darloth and Adrana basically meet up in the middle of the fight. She's throwing Marathi's magic against them, and it's and she can actually feel that seed of corruption that Marathi plants in everybody she teaches. She can feel it spreading, and she just doesn't even care. She's like, because uh, she's their avenging Corhill, because you got to have that, you know. <laughs> they never kissed. They never really said anything like that. But hey, he's a guy. She's a girl. <laughs> you know the, the circumstances brought them together. At least one of them's not a dwarf, eh? Yeah. Well, jeez, don't start that <laughs> stuff. The battle of the five armies, whatever. Um, <laughs> but so she sees Darloth, and she goes sends the tendril things after him, and he would have died except Marathi, who knows the magic way better than than her, turns the magic back on it, and it kills her. Um, her own spell, Marathi just turns the spell, turns the t- tentacles back on her. The tentacles tear her apart. Her brother walks up, looks at her dead body, and spits on her corpse. Yeah, he's a nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, and then uh, goes along. Meanwhile, hey, harpies and manticores. Woohoo, manticore club. This <laughs> yeah. Bit's actually, this bit's actually really cool. This is where um, the sisters of Twilight, uh, Nestor and Arahan, come in on uh, their dragon, Seethan Ha, I think you pronounce it. Yeah. I, love, I like I yeah. like your notes here because it it summed up exactly how I would describe this next bit. So yeah, they pull out a bunch of Legolas stuff, like when Legolas really went and, <laughs> when he when he single handedly killed one of the uh, the Oliphants, the the giant elephant. You know, and you yeah, remember that part. <laughs> you remember the part I'm talking about? Yeah, and, yeah, and he, and it still only counts as one. That, that <laughs> yeah. part, 
Because that's what they do. Basically, they just start master engineer. That. Uh, no, that, no, no, that was Gimli. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was in the dude. The, the Lord of the Rings elves don't have accents anything like the dwarvish accents from Warhammer. It's very different. So, um, but it's funny because she does. She's diving off the dragon, landing on the manticore, gutting him, flipping around, landing back on the dragon, and it's just like, you know what? Are you trying to get yourself killed? And she's like, No, I'm having a good time. And it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good. It is. It, re- it, re- it reads really well. It's very, very, very descriptive, and you, you could definitely imagine that. Like you say, it'd be one of those legless set pieces. A bit too cool for school, but hey ho. You know what? You, they, you give them that. <laughs> the two of them have been sharing sharing a brain and riding around on this dragon for how long? I, you know, they know each other's moves. It's cool. It's very matrixy. I like it. Yeah, it's good. So, um, Teclas is at the vortex, and he's grabbing at the winds of magic. Now, the only reason this might even work is because Nagash pulled the death magic out of it. And so I just keep thinking, well, he couldn't have pulled them and done anything. It was too tight of a fix. And I'm just picturing, like, like you got a can of something, and there's, like, all the stuff's in it. And until you get that first piece out, like, they're, they're... – <laughs> yeah. So it's like once he took out the death part, like, oh, it's loose now. I can kind of shimmy it and shake it, yeah. it and get my hand in there, and I can grab some of this magic. So now he's been preparing this for two years and it's taking all of his concentration, even though he's been working this for two years. And he totally would have lost it, but Kalidor Dragon Tamer is on the inside, and he knows the plan because him and Teclas have been communicating. And so he's helping him from the inside sort of hold this less stable thing together so that he can grab them and slowly pull each one out, which will make it less stable each one he pulls out. Um, I love the part where he's, he's working and something blows up near him, and suddenly his concentration slips, and suddenly 40 Phoenix Guard turn into gold. Yeah. And a big chain lightning goes out, and a whole bunch of archers just go, and they're gone. It's like, whoops. <laughs> it's like, and I love that they turn to gold, because you never get to see that spell happen in the in the, in the the books, in the fluff. Nobody ever pulls out that the monster. Final transmutation. Yeah, nobody final transmutations anybody. They're too busy, you know, they're too busy throwing purple suns around. So yeah. seeing the final trans go was kind of cool. Um <laughs> And then finally the dead get there, and now Malekith's forces are hurting. There's just so many numbers. The dragons are just going through and burning away the, the, the dead. They're burning the skeletons, burning the zombies. One of these idiots decides to land and fight them with the dragon, like, you know, by like hand-to-hand combat. And, of course, as soon as he does it, it's like ants on a, you know, it's like ants on a grasshopper. It was like all yeah, of a sudden. That was not a good decision by that dude. No. Yeah. <laughs> They basically swarm the dragon and rip him and the rider apart. You know, it's like, oh, well, one less dragon. Um, and that's when Aletha Nar shows up. And he just kind of shows up off of the side. And he's just watching. And <laughs> Something that, yeah. Yeah, and he's watching this unfold and praying for guidance. He still doesn't know who to go with. Like, And I think he knows who to go with. I really think he knows exactly who to go with. He's seen what's been going on. He's seen what Tyrion's been doing. He's hearing the news. He just hates Malekith. And this goes yeah. back to those Sundering books. Yep. I agree completely. You know, he hates Malekith. Malekith was, you know, he was a part of Nagaroth. He was a leader. He should have been doing this. He killed off all the family members of Alethanar's family because they wouldn't join him. And uh, basically, he's never going to forgive that he turned their whole country into the, like, the, they were like the Dark Elf spawning ground, basically. And he knows, but he can't bring himself to back Malekith because he freaking hates him. It's like yep. thousands of years. And it's cool because, Chris, you read the Sundering series, right? On both the I did, yeah. yeah. Chris, you, you read it, right? 
Mm, yeah, yeah the I Because you hated Shadow King. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but remember the part before Shadow King where Alethanar kind of meets Malekith, and there's sort of like a hero worship there. Like, mm-hmm. you are finally not only going to lead us to glory, but you're one of us. You're from Nagaroth. Like, he really... Mm. Uh, Nagareth, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. he, he kind of put all of his hopes into Malekith. And so when Malekith went bad, it just really... Yeah, scarred him forever. Yeah. So um, it's funny because Malekith is leading from the front, and normally he doesn't do that. Normally he's behind you scowling, and you're afraid to turn your back and run because Malekith will be there waiting to fry you. Um, but he's right up front. He wants to leave. He wants to go hunt for Marathian Tyrion. Um, but he's got to be up there fighting because just they're so outnumbered. He needs to be doing this. Um, and at this point, Imric and Alariel are doing pretty well in their fighting, too, and he starts to get a little... He's, they've earned a grudging respect from him, but nobody else. <laughs> yeah, not Teclis, you're right, as, as, you said, as you said earlier, definitely not Teclis. No, he doesn't respect Teclis. He thinks Teclis is a schemer and a weasel, and he, it's, he's his he's nephew. He's so right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, he also knows he's smart and clever. I mean, I think, I think Teclis... I mean, there's a couple of parts he talks. I think Teclis impresses him. Like with yeah. how ruthless, like he's like, wow, if Teclis would have been with me, I could have won a long time ago. Yeah. But he hates weakness. And let's face it, Teclis is a cripple. He's never going to respect Teclis because Teclis is not a fighter. Teclis can't fight. Teclis, that's not what Teclis does. Teclis is a manipulator. And Malekith is all the same stuff, but Malekith can hold his own. And Teclis can't do that. He's never going to respect the guy who is the puppet master from behind the curtain because Malekith is the puppet master in your face. He pulls on your strings and your arm moves and you still, you either, whether you know it or not, that arm still moves, whether you know he's pulling it or not. So someone like Teclis just isn't going to get his anything from him, which is kind of a shame because I like Teclis. But uh, so he he goes too far forward, and of course they do this all the time. Malekith goes real far forward, and he's away from the army, and so now the dead are all surrounding him, and he looks, and the five phoenix kings are all closing in on him, and for the first time in centuries, Malekith is actually afraid. He's like, holy! I mean, this. I could. I suppose that even if you're a Malekith, that would be pretty scary. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. you know, five of these guys all at once. Five Phoenix Kings at once, all whites, all uh, you know, ethereal. And remember, he's susceptible to magic, you know. Indeed he is, like as a, we yeah. well know. <laughs> you know, like a liger, you know, my pretty much my favorite animal. Right. Um, <laughs> <Got talents. laughs> so um now Araloth sees that I love this part. He sees that Malekith is afraid and apparently Malekith hesitates, and the rank and file realize he's afraid too. So Araloth jumps up, and he's like, starts screaming, uh, whatever country he's from, and starts calling forward. And he's, you know, and he starts, "We hold here, we hold here," because he sees they're starting to waver, and Malekith ain't doing it. And so he calls him to hold the ground. Malekith looks around to see who's shouting. He looks at him. Malekith gives him a glare, like you son of a gun. And he just gives him the look back, like, yeah, what? 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 <laughs> I mean, this is great. And, and what does Malekith do? He just laughs. He, like, realizes he was going, laughs, stands up in his saddle, and cries out, Kings of Old One, you are usurpers and thieves, and you owe me your debt, and I demand you come forth and repay it. And then all the whites explode. And flames jump out of Malekith. <laughs> I'm not certain how this worked. <laughs> <laughs> 
But he points his sword out, the whites all explode, and then fire comes out of his sword and turns into one of like like a like a spirit form of Finubar. And then he points his sword and another flame jumps out and becomes another Phoenix King. And he gets ten Phoenix Kings there. All of them are there fighting for him, except for Anarian, because Anarian doesn't owe anyone anything. Mm. You know, and let's face it, even when he called him, he called the ones who were thieves and usurpers. That's not his father. So the spirits of the Phoenix Kings all come out, and they're still fighting. And this is cool because they're fighting with the power and the skill of their living forms. Unlike undead stuff that really can't, these guys are fighting like... So you have now ten Phoenix Kings in the battle. And it's cool. Uh, What is it? Page 130 at the top there. Uh, Chris... Um, this is great because they're not all fight. They they never were all fighters, and even in spirit form, they're still not all fighters. Not all of the Phoenix kings fought with blades. Upon the eastern flank, Belshinar, Belhathor, and Morvale rained fire and lightning down upon the Kothiki ranks. Caradriel, ever a protector, took position at Alarial's side, adding his magics of shielding and renewal to hers. Bel Corhardus. Corhardris, first and greatest of the lore masters, walked amongst the mages of Malekith's hosts, reinforcing their abjurations with his own. Marathi's barrage of dark fire, which had reaped a great toll of lives to that point, dissipated into nothing as the hag sorcerer's conjura- conjurations collapsed in a moment beneath the counterspells of the Scholar King. Yeah, so they're really adding a lot. Yeah. yeah. Helping turn the tide for sure. Yeah, they're not there just fighting. They're all doing what they did best. And that's just really, this is another one of those things you're like, whoa. If you're playing a a game of Warhammer, a bigger one, all of a sudden you get to add 10 lords, right? Fighters, mages, just all of a sudden. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's really. Yeah, and it's not just just fighty lords. They're all, and you get full points. You can get whatever you want. Yeah, and they're all doing what they can. It's great. So, of course, Tyrion's forces keep coming. Um, that these guys showing up doesn't slow down Tyrion's crazy forces at all. What it does, however, is get Malekith's elves are like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they just start fighting with. And it's the the, the guys from Kalidor though, the elves from Kalidor, um, Imric's people. They see this and they 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 don't redouble their efforts; they triple their efforts. Um, they were not for Malekith this whole time. They really were doing this begrudgingly. And then they saw they saw this happen, and they're like, okay, we're fighting on the right side, which is kind of cool. Um, and I love that Felhart is gone completely crazy. He doesn't even notice. He's just he's completely possessed with the with Cain's bloodlust. And uh, Marathi sees all the Phoenix Kings and start to worry, and then she realizes Anirian's not there. And she goes, See? That's because Tyrion is an Aryan. Like, she's convinced that this, this just, in the sight of all evidence to the contrary, well, an Aryan didn't come because an Aryan's here, and he is the true ruler, the first Phoenix King. So we're on the right side. And it's, it's wow, she's just she is so in denial. And she's just this, drinking her own Kool Aid. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, at this point, Kalidor is whooping on Felhart. But uh, Malekith is still so outnumbered. Alariel is starting to get buried by sheer numbers as well. Marathi is just calling. Now, Marathi sees all of these guys show up, and she's like, oh, you think that'll help? And so she just grabs pure magic from the vortex, shapes it to look like an Aryan, and sends it out. You know, says, well, I could do the same thing. Um, 
Except hers isn't the actual spirit. Hers is just magic to shape to look like him. Uh, and Malekith is pulling magic for the vortex ready for his sort of next spell. So he didn't even notice what she was doing. And suddenly, Anari- the you know, I call him Nega Anarian because he's like, <laughs> you know, Nega Scott. So he shows up as this, you know, anti-Anarian who attacks uh, Malekith. And he totally, anything that Anarian's magic, this magic Anarian touches just dies. The flesh liquefies, the bones turn to dust. Uh, basically, Malekith is so distracted, but the Seraphon sees this thing coming and turns and just goes. He's like, uh, uh, boss, I'm not waiting for you to. Yeah, say let's go. He's like, maybe you're not paying attention, but that's bad. I'm leaving. And then, of all things, the spirit of Belshanar jumps in the way of Nega Anarian, and they both sort of explode in this magic, anti-magic thing, and uh, he saves Malachith's life. Which I thought was crazy, because of all the ones to do it, Belshanar basically sat up there waiting for Malekith to come kill him, because mm-hmm. he felt guilty, and Malekith comes up and kills him, and in return, I mean, most of the time you kill someone, when their spirit comes back, they come back because they're come mad back. at you. you know? Right. But he goes one step farther and says, you are not only right to kill me, but I'm still going to save you. You're the rightful king, which I thought was cool. Yeah, um, I think I think they all come. All the spirits they may they may none of them probably liked Malekith, but he's he's calling the debt due to the fact that they were all there. Mis- well, they were misplaced as as Phoenix King, and it should have been him all along. And it seems like they all knew it. According to Teclas, they all knew it. And I love this. He sees Belshinar throw himself in front of Nega Anarian, and they both destroyed. Feels no sympathy or gratitude for the usurper. Well, yeah, yeah, you're damn well right. You should have jumped in front of that. You should have never taken my crown, you son of a gun. Like, just doesn't even, like, nothing. It's, it's brilliant. So now he finishes the spell he's doing, and all around him, all the ghosts and the spirits of all the heroes of all the elves ever solidify and get their bodies back and join him. This is awesome. <laughs> this is cool. So, in the heart of the great vortex, all time was one, no moment separate from another, and through the winds of magic it touched everywhere and every when. In all the long millennia since its creation, no one, neither mage nor warrior, king nor servant, had lived and died without being touched by the gr- last great enchantment of Kalador Dragon Tamer. The tapestry woven by the vortex stretched across time, and Malekith's spell had gathered its skeins and twisted them into a new shape. Earlier, Malekith had given life to Ultraman's kings. Now he called upon the greatest champions from the long history of the elves. I'm not going to go into this whole thing, but if you are remotely interested, page 131, they go down a laundry list. Anybody you've ever heard named in any elven story as a hero shows up here to kick some ass. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. This is brilliant. I actually, out loud, was like, oh, yeah, like reading this. <laughs> I'm like, that's too cool. Eltharion Alth- and Stormwing make a, make a little cameo return, nope. which is nice. Nope. Yep. Because that was another one of the, the pretty sad deaths I felt over the series. So nice to see him, yep. him coming back in. But that wasn't the best one. There's one that's coming up that I thought There was, is. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> so, but now Darloth is going crazy. He's losing it. He's fighting. He's caught up in this cane madness. He's, his lines are falling apart. He's losing. He's already a coward. We've determined that. He's panicking. He's crazy. And he looks up, and Corhill's coming right for him. <laughs> That's great. And he's got no chance. He raises up his sword, and Corhill just decapitates him and walks on like he didn't recognize him. Mm. And I'm thinking maybe he didn't. No. <laughs> I mean, he's just there. I mean, he is dead. 
He's been summoned back to fight, and he's using his skill, and he rec- he can tell enemy from friend, but I don't think he's delineating personages at all. Ever the uh, the true soldier, right? Yep. And I love Darloth's head rolls and stops right next to his sister's body, too. Mm. So, Some poetic justice. And then Alethanar sees all of his family, the heroes of the family line, the whole Asenar hero line, shows up and starts, you know, shooting everything with their bows. Because, you know, they're good like that. Um, and I love the expression. You see the, the, the change in his expression, and they, you can't tell if it's hatred or joy in his eyes to see them there. But he finally picked – when he sees this, he finally picks a side. Yeah, and down he comes. He's uh, – yeah, I mean you don't know because it's, it's the fact they're fighting for Malekith. That's obviously made his decision I think there. Right. That, yeah, that's got to be it. Unless – but they try, to, they try to keep it – you know, it's like the end of the Survivor episode where they're trying to – like, it, it could be anybody who gets voted out, you know, and he's up there making his choice. Well, is he going to side with Malekith because his family's fighting or is he going down to kill Malekith for the nerve of raising up his family to fight for <laughs> <Yep>. him? <laughs> and that's, that's what they're trying to get going here. Um, but Malekith does this and pulls and twists the, the, the magic in the vortex to do this. The only problem is it is totally screwing up what Teclis is doing. <laughs> and this bends everything. And even Kalidor da- Dragon Tamer can't fix it. So all of a sudden, grr, the wind of beasts, boom, pops grr. loose and just phew, heads east. And, yep. And Teclis is like, no, 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 no. Phew, gone. So now two are gone. It's a little looser in the in the vortex. <laughs> the vortex getting a little loosey goosey here. Um, so Teclis, the ground's shaking underneath him. I mean, as as these things move, everything just gets not ramped up another level of dangerous. Um, Tyrion. Well, Before we get onto that, we just got to touch on what is probably my favorite bit of art I think ever in Warhammer. This double page spread on pages one, two, three, and one, two, uh, one, one, three, two, and one, three, three. Um, you've got. Tyrion and Malak are fighting, the battle going on, uh, Ali Fanar up in the top left, readying his bow. You know what? I never it's, stopped to look at this picture. It's fantastic. Mm, There's so yeah, much in this it. This is a good one. You can see the, um, the, 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 the gods fighting in the clouds as well, which is, which is mentioned in, in the story. It's, it's so much in it. Oh, that's right. When they're fighting, you see, mm. you see Cain and um, whatever, yeah, uh, Anarian. Yeah. If, so, if anyone's got, if anyone listening's got a, an iPad version of this and it's in there and can screenshot and send it to me, that would be greatly appreciated because I think it's amazing. Really like it. Yeah, make it your screensaver. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, definitely. The only person just, I don't see in the battle here is Marathi. It seems like you can find, kind of spot yeah. almost everybody else. This is really cool, though. Of course, Aletha Nar standing right up there. Like I thought Look he was a little that. better hidden. I mean, it, he looks cool, but it's like <laughs> really nobody sees him because I thought he was, you know. <laughs> he just appeared there. They haven't had time to react. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, this is just so cool. So now Tyrion is in a complete rage that all, like, every he's like, everyone's against me. He doesn't, he still doesn't get it. Like, he is so completely wrapped up with the, with the, with Cain in his soul that he just, every time he sees someone fighting against him, one of these heroes of old, he doesn't understand. He's like, he, he's still, but, but Malekith, like, that's, that's basically all he's got left. <laughs> yeah. You know, what do you mean you're fighting it? Look, Malekith. So, um, here's the thing. You could kill all these heroes, but, dude, there must have been a lot of them because it says they outnumbered his remaining living forces. So there's more heroes arrive. The heroes themselves out. And for the first time, Tyrion gets outnumbered by someone coming into the battle. And um, so Tyrion comes in. 
and he's all pissed, and they can be killed, and they are dying. Uh, the skeleton's got no chance. So basically when, when the wind of beast leaves and goes to find um, Grimgore Ironhide, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tyrion sees what's going on and realizes this whole battle is a distraction. And he just, him and the horse, just take off for the vortex. He's like, no, 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 no. My brother is not going to pull something on me now. Uh, Morathi sees that, and she heads for the vortex. Uh, and Tyrion goes in, and here was, here's where you could tell Cain's got him. At this point, anybody between him and his brother dies. Like, he just hacks down everyone in his way. Not good guy. If, if you're on his team, but you're in the way, you're getting hacked down. Get out of the way. Uh, Moravel, the one goes to block his path, uh, but he ter- bursts into shards of light when Widowmaker stabs through him. Um, and Malekith basically gets distracted by this. Like, he sees this happening, stops, goes, wait, what's going on? And the spell starts to unravel, and the heroes start to fade. Uh, some of them fade right away. Some of them keep on fighting um, until they're... Uh, they're you know, until they completely fade away, but that's what's going on. Um, then, basically, Malekith tries to intercept him, but he's too late. Teclis, Arterian would have killed Teclis, but this is great. He goes up, Melhander's finally had enough. <laughs> the horse is like, even his horse is like, okay, dude, that's your brother. <laughs> so the, hor- the horse comes up short and rears back and throws Tyrion. And Tyrion stands up and in a rage looks around. He's like, I'll kill you, horse. But the horse (laughs) horse takes off running. And it is kind of cool how they explain it because they are pretty sentient. And for for generations, they've carried, they've been this, you know, it's sort of like uh, with Shadow Facts from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's kind of symbiotic relationship. Right. And it's it's an aware, you know, and it's basically he realizes that what him transporting Tyrion around all this time has brought shame on their family. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. I mean, that it, he's like, enough. I have to atone for this. And so he just takes off and ditches Tyrion. And this has got to be like the worst moment for Tyrion at this point. It's like, <laughs> even my horse, <laughs> sons of bitches. Like, just like. <laughs> so, he, tr- he, tries to, he tries to have a go at Malhandi, doesn't he? He tries to swipe a blow at him. As he yeah, gets, he's going to kill the horse. Or speeds off. <laughs> yeah. So then he goes back after Teclis, but by then Malekith is there. In fact, he almost dies because uh, Malekith comes raiding down, and the, and the dragon Seraphon almost takes out Tyrion, but Marathi hits him with purple lightning and, uh, and stops him. Um, so that, that happens. Dragon hits the ground. Malekith, uh, jumps off the dragon's back and does a, a nice barrel roll, uh, you know, before, before that. for a 6,000 year old. Yep. And so now, now, finally, page 135, column one, paragraph four, they're finally going to face off. Thus at last did the Phoenix King and the Avatar of Cain meet in the battle for the last time. Those who witnessed it thereafter claimed that they saw two godly silhouettes mirrored on the clouds above, one masked and lit with flame, the other snarling like a beast, his hands running with blood. Each fought with all the fury and skill at his disposal, with every strike and every parry. The ground beneath their feet trembled and shook. No description could ever do that duel justice, for mere words could scarcely impart the speed and ferocity of the blows exchanged, nor the incredible willpower that drove the combatants on through the most horrendous of wounds." 
So with that epic imagery in mind, we'll cut for a break and we'll be right back. Cool. The hunter ghosted through the trees. His every footstep was silent, his movements precise. He had tracked his quarry for hours, and confrontation was at last here. Silently, the hunter entered the glade, approaching the phoenix king from behind. The hunter's bow was slung upon his shoulder, but his hand was on his sword's pommel. He had advanced to within a dozen paces when his quarry's voice broke the silence. I have been expecting you, Malekith announced without turning. Have you come to finish what you began? At last, Malekith turned, his gaze falling across the other. I do not know, said Alethanar, the uncertainty strange upon his tongue. I should kill you, avenge the horrors you have wrought. His words faded into the darkness. And yet your sword remains sheathed, Malekith noted, with a faint trace of mockery. As does yours, remarked Alethanar. Perhaps we are neither of us what we used to be. Perhaps... The other conceded. I wish I could believe that. Then you have come as my assassin? No, but I do come bearing a message. Alethanar took a step closer, his gaze unflinching. My arrow tip rests next to your heart, and you will never be able to remove it. The agony it causes shall suffice as my vengeance for as long as you serve our people. Fail them, and my next shot will take your life. Your threats mean nothing. Malekith growled. Then you have nothing to fear, Alethanar replied. The moon passed behind a cloud. The Shadow King departed, leaving Malekith alone with his thoughts. And we are back. All right, final segment, Tyrion, Malekith, about to face off, mano a mano, or elfo a elfo, whatever it is. Here we go. Um, they're fighting. Dude, do you see the, the avatars above them sort of fighting each other, um, you know, uh, in the sky above them? Kind of like at the end of Big Trouble in Little China. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Malekith's left arm is shattered. In fact, it would have fallen off if the armor hadn't held. Uh, Tyrion's jaw is fractured. He takes a sword in the side of the face, cuts open his jaw, shatters the bone. Malekith's helmet is split almost in two. That's the part that got me the most because, like, all of his stuff is permanently bonded to his body. Mm. So, if that falls off, he's going to be... He's losing like, that part of his body, right? Well, I mean, if, I mean, I, I mean, it's it was bolted to him, and it's sort of he wears the mask. But I mean, his face hasn't been exposed. I don't think in thousands of years. It's so horribly mm. scarred. Um, so I, you know, I was like, whoa. So now the heroes are fading. The skeletons are all destroyed. So all the dead are back to dead. Um, but y- Yastrana of Avalorn saves Imric's life from Fellhand. Uh, I mean, Felhart. Lockyer Felhart is about to get uh, get to stab Imric, and he gets an arrow in the back and drops down. And Imric turns around and sees it's Yustrana who finally who like waves at him and fades away. 
That's and, such a good part, I think. Yeah. And if, I really like that. For anyone who doesn't know who Yastrana of Avalorn is, she's the one that Imric put on the funeral pyre when he finally had to kill one of the high elves, when he had to make take that step and actually kill someone himself. And he put her and built her funeral pyre and stood there for the full day while she burned. So her spirit comes back after he kills her. Her spirit comes back and saves him. Now, I, I know he feels bad about it, but I always kind of thought she came back and saved him because she realized he was actually fighting on the right team and she wasn't. Yeah, that's why I, I think that's her just sort of saying, it's okay. Right, kind of acknowledging his role. Yeah. 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 It's like, I you think... know, I'm not happy to be dead, but I know why you did it. And I get yeah. and I that was just really kind of cool. I'm like, oh, I, like, that I, I really like that part. Yeah. Uh, Marathi wants to just blast Tyrion away. I mean, uh, not Tyrion. Um, Malekith, but she might hit Tyrion because they're fighting too closely, so she can't fight. Um, but you know, basically, the light of Assyrian fades out on Malekith because he's just Assyrian's power is basically just about gone. Um, the, the 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 Elven gods are dying, which is just really weird. Like their power mm. is gone, and they're gone. Mm. So, like the power that he's been using all this time to fight this power, this light of Assyrian goes away. Uh, Widowmaker breaks his breaks his sword, cuts through his armor. He's all knocked on the ground. His armor's broken. His arms hanging there. His, ma- his freaking helmet's coming off, and he just stands up and lo- and looks at Tyrion like, "All right, bring it." You know, like I, you know, if you think I'm going to bow or beg for mercy or anything, you're stupid. And this is the second time that Tyrion's done him over. Like at the end of the first chapter, he, he gets beaten up by Tyrion as well. So yeah. I, I, I do like that. It, it like. Tyrion's clearly the better combatant, so and both times they fight one on one. Tyrion does a number on him. I think that's it's not like Ma- Malak is suddenly the hero and he's going to beat Tyrion in a fight because it just no. it wouldn't happen and it doesn't happen. And plus, I mean, Tyrion does have the power of Cain behind him, but Tyrion is just a, that good of a fighter too. Because yeah. let's face it, Malekith has never really faced a real challenge in battle. No, I mean he wins. I mean, you, you'll there are people who beat him in overall battles, but he does not personally lose fights he's got a dragon and magic they're sort of right helping yeah. him out i think yeah he doesn't lose fights and so losing twice to Tyrion shows Tyrion's actually like you said the better combatant plus with the power of cane behind him now malik is in trouble so mm. marathi sees this and starts laughing so loud once again you can she pulls out the the marathi phone <laughs> <laughs> and and you hear it all over the battlefield and um and it's convenient because nobody hears the bowstring snap. And then Arrow goes and can only be shot by one guy because only one person's going to thread the needle of that little hole that Imric made in the armor <laughs> <laughs> and go right into Tyrion's heart. And boom, it hits him right in the heart, stops his heart. Cain's spirit fades from him because his body. once his body dies, the, 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 the god spirit fades. And Tyrion's standing there looking around. And he's Tyrion again, and he sees kind of. There's the the moment where he sees, like, what have I done? And it's just that that few moments before he dies of pure horror at what he's become, and like, he is the evil that he's been fighting against all that time. He gets that moment of revelation, um, and then he coughs up a bunch of blood and falls down dead. And um, and before Marathi can even like like this happens, and she's still kind of looking like, wait, what? And then another arrow. Hits Malekith in the back, and he falls down on Tyrion's corpse, and his limbs are all twitching. <laughs> and I'm thinking this thing, I mean, I know it says it lodged right next to his heart, which is why I'm assuming they can't get it out. 
right? So yeah. I'm assuming that it's like like literally like cut into his heart, and if you pull it out, he'll bleed out and die. They won't be able to save him, so it's got to stay there. But I'm I'm thinking that like a part of it must have like hit a like his spine or something because he's just like he's just down on the ground like twitching and twitching. And, and and convulsing. <laughs> I'm like, whoa! Um, so she goes nuts and starts shooting lightning where he was, but Alethanar, it's Alethanar. I shot my two arrows. By the time the second arrow hit, I'm in Cleveland. It's just, he's like gone, <laughs> you know? Laters. Exactly. Um, but she's shooting all this magic, and it's shattering waystones, and sp- spirits start escaping um, all over. And when she sees that, she doesn't stop. She's just in a complete rage now. Her son is dead. Her, 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 her tear, in, you know, her second coming of her, her, her one true love is dead. That's it. She's lost it. So back to Teclas, who is trying to tie the winds of magic to a person like Nagash did, tried to. Um, and that would have been cool. You know, he would have gotten, you know, seven ava- seven winds of magic tied to seven elves of his choice. Mm. And then they could have, I mean, and, well, I didn't realize that when he tied, what was, what, until I read it, basically, you know, the, 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 the warp gates are still open. Magic is still flooding into the Warhammer world. But instead of it flowing back out into chaos through the vortex, it would be flowing directly into each of these people. So they are having the full benefit and power. Basically, all the magic for this wind of magic is just flowing constantly into them. That's kind of crazy. Like, I mean, yeah, think like about a direct it. line, unfiltered. Yeah. I mean, that's a straight up, that's that's the 96% pure meth right there. <laughs> you know? And uh, so Beast gets away, then Fire gets away, and he wanted to tie Fire to Malekith, which makes sense, I guess. Sure. Although yeah. I just, when he said, I'm like, really? Not Shadow? Like, the, my first thought was... you. Really? I mean, I mean, who are you going to give? I mean, maybe you give Shadow to Alethanar because you know, you know, it's yeah. your name and all. He's a, yeah. could be, but with the flames of Assyrian and everything, yeah. that, that ties in with Lord. Oh, Force that's fire. right. His fire would work better. You yeah. Give that, yeah, you give Shadow to Alethanar, who get pissed that you didn't ask him and kill you anyway. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. <laughs> so <laughs> then metal gets away. Then heavens gets away and moves towards the Empire of Men. And it's funny, he knows where that one's going. And he's like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, like, Casca it's, guy. <laughs> it's probably going to go to Franz. I've met him. He's yeah. okay. He's legit. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and then Morathi purple lightnings him in the back. And the island starts cracking again. And she goes and rides Sulafet right into the vortex. Now, she's immortal, so she could do that. But the minute the, the, the her her Pegasus hits it, He's in all times and no time. So he turns right into dust, and she, like, lands in the vortex. And, of course, what does she do? Just start killing everything. Every mage. She just goes and kills him. So every mage keeping this together is dying. So it's getting less stable. And all of a sudden, in the hole, and I didn't realize the vortex was a literal hole into chaos. Like, it's literally, I mean, basically, they built a giant toilet. (laughs) <laughs> it's a giant toilet for magic, isn't it? I mean, it's coming from the north and uh, from the gates in the north and south, or in the north at least. It's running to this, and it spirals down this hole right back into the realm of chaos. I didn't realize that's exactly what was happening here, um, but it's literally a hole because all of a sudden a giant ass eyeball appears in the middle of vortex. <laughs> what is exactly going on over here? And she looks. Who's down making and- all that noise? <laughs> 
Get off my lawn! <laughs> so this eyeball appears, and it's Slanesh. And you think I'm like, <laughs> now here's my thing. First of all, how do you know just from the eyeball? Was it purple? But maybe the pupil is the symbol of Slanesh. Yeah, that's it. Was it. In the, it was in the shape of the, something. The pupil, <laughs> the pupil <laughs> has breasts on it, or something yeah. like that. You know, it's just like. But so he looks in, and she's like, "Oh, it's this." Now, are you telling me that none of the chaos god noticed that there's a hole here that magic was pouring into? Like suddenly he realizes, "Holy crap! There's a leak. What's going on on the other side of this leak?" And he looks his eyeball in, and you know, I'm just picturing that giant eyeball that kept looking at the eleventh doctor in Doctor Who, you know. But I'm going to skip that analogy. So this eye is there, and Marathi doesn't even care. He's like, "Oh, look, it's Slanesh." <laughs> and, and so then she just starts throwing more magic, and the hole's getting bigger, and she's like, now, okay, this is the part that I have trouble with. I mean, come on. Even Marathi's thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe I should just let Slanesh loose in the world. Like, who thinks that? Mm. <laughs> like, the greater demons you make bargains with are super dangerous, and you have to take all sorts of precautions. Here is one of the four gods of chaos, and she's like, I don't even care as long as you destroy Ulthwan. My son and my lover are dead. And she just starts opening the gate more. And I'm like, really? And I said, this whole time, I thought she kind of worked with them. Like, I well, thought- It's probably a case of where she's so arrogant, where if she does let the, the, the demon in, she feels she, she may be granted, you know, Special a, a higher place in yeah. court. Well, right. it absolutely says that. She thinks that she could curry favor with him by letting him in. It mm. says it right there in the book. It but, did say, though, like a little while back, never again would Marathi make bargains with demons. Remember when she got pimp slapped by Tyrion? Right. Well, now now he's dead. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't worry about that. Now. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Let's so say now he's got a slash. He um, put his hand around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she keeps hammering against the magic against the vortex, and now he puts a hand through. So it's had to open. I mean, just okay. Think about this. Hold your hand up in front of your eyeball. Think how big that vortex had to get. For you know, right. first, you could just see through it with your eyeball. Now you can fit your hand in. And he reaches in. Teclas finally wakes up and says, "Holy crap!" And he's like, "If she lets him in, that's it. Like we're done. Uh, an actual chaos god getting through here. Nobody can fight that." So he's like, "Well." I'm going to have to trash all of Ulthuan to close this thing and sacrifice it. And he's willing to do that again. But, I mean, here it's like, well, let's see. I either destroy Ulthuan or the whole world dies. That's not really a choice. And he's the one who's practical enough to see that that's not a choice. Um, so he's, he jumps up and he's still trying to do the, the wind of life gets free. And I love this because now as the last couple get free, it's so unstable. Several cities crash into the sea. Volcanoes are erupting on Ulthuan. Tens of thousands of elves die in moments until Teclas gets a hold of it and bonds it to Alarial. And now she's getting full-on life magic, so like everything she looks at just starts growing. You know, her blue eyes turn green. Anything she touches just starts to grow. She actually walks up later to Malekith, and she touches the arrow that's in his back, and the wood bursts into seedlings, which then fall onto the hard stone where nothing has grown in the thousands of years, and a forest pops up. Like, I, I'm, seriously, talk about how much... <laughs> I mean, but once again, you're on a straight-on pipeline, you know, a direct heroin line right in your vein of <laughs> life magic. Like, that's kind of be crazy. 
And then Teclas pulls Uglu, the wind of shadow, and it destroys more of Ulthuan before he gets a hold of that, and he bonds it to Malekith because Malekith is still alive. And you, you know, her everything she touches turns to like springs into life. Him every time he moves and breathes, shadows like form around him, and it's hard to see him. That's I really like that. cool. Yeah, yeah. He sort of like leaves like it's like yeah. The way he described that's really cool. The after blur behind it that's when he loses it, yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's just like yeah. what? Yeah. But so only Heesh, the wind of light, is left, and the vortex really starts collapsing, and Slanesh gets pissed. Like he's like, no, wait a minute, and he start and Slanesh lets out a scream, and I can only, I can't even imagine what an el- what one of the chaos gods screaming in rage, in our For world would sound to like. Hear. Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, picture it. If you read these books, and I've read some of those the the stuff they put out about the Liber Chaotica and stuff, even the greater demons are like less than one percent of like one percent of their full power. Like they're sending these guys in and it's just mm-hmm. their power in their realm is almost absolute and when these things take form here, it's just a tiniest little tendril. It's like they're sticking their pinky maybe in the world. So to hear and when and when when these greater demons come charging in and they scream, it says like, you know, people lose their bowel movements, you know. Because in fear, and now you get the actual god screaming. And finally, finally, Marathi is like, oh, uh oh. (laughs) Like she gets scared and she just starts screaming and realizes how stupid this was. (laughs) And then she goes to leave, and Kalidor Dragon Tamer realizes he's done, so he just grabs her. And he's like, you're not going anywhere. And she starts, like, clawing at his face and cutting him and screaming. And he just looks at her, your race is run, child. Meet your end with the dignity of your heritage. Just totally talking down to her. Like, you know, I was just like, wow. That's like, you know, you know. And, and here's the thing. I mean, she was turning to run. She might have been able to get out of the vortex. You never know. He probably could have gotten out of the vortex, too, had he mm-hmm. wanted to. But. He's like, I'm not letting you go back. This, I thought, was sad because Dragon Tamer probably could have avoided being tortured by Slanesh for eternity and or devoured by Slanesh. I reckon he wanted to cop a feel of Marathi. Uh. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe he didn't because, you know, she she's not so pretty now. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, got yeah that, not so beautiful, yeah. She's got that one in Scar. <laughs> True. So, but now he tells her she ain't going anywhere. She looks back at the vortex, screams and faints. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Like like some old fifties movie heroine, <laughs> and uh, and then Slanesh grabs them both, and and he manages to grab the two of them before getting sucked back into the realm of chaos. Um, and then Teclas pulls the power of Hish and puts and sort of binds that not to himself but to his staff, which I thought was weird, and uses that power to close the rift. Uh, and then the island starts to collapse. Tyrion's forces. I love it. Tyrion's forces. Now that, uh, like, basically, Kane's madness is gone. One of two things happen: they either wake up and say, "Oh my God, forgive us, please, kill us quick," you know, at least grant us. You know, we don't deserve mercy, but at least grant us a quick death. We realize that we were stupid, and please. Uh, the other guys are like, "Holy crap, we got to get out of here!" And of course, they just wind up going into the ocean and dying. So all of Tyrion's forces gone. Malekith's forces sort of huddle together. You know, like 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 you know, like like Sam and Frodo <laughs> sitting there, like, oh, we're dead! Please, somebody help us! And then the eagles, the eagles, Alariel finds Malekith, and then you know that happens. And when the, when it turns into that glade, 
She goes over to Tyrion and she's crying over Tyrion. Aeroloth is standing there way uncomfortable. <laughs> Awkward. And uh, so he's like, I'm going to go check on Teclas while you're crying over dead Tyrion because, yeah, I shouldn't. I don't want to watch this. Um, Malekith gets up and I love how nobody tries to help him at all. Like mm. he's standing, got an arrow in the back, you know, arm hanging off, face falling apart. He's standing up and he looks around and not even like, here, let me help you up. Like, you yeah, despite all that's yeah. happened, eh, we still don't like you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, but that it, it, you know what, but that just sort of validates all of Teclas or Malekith's dislike for all of them. Like, screw you, I don't need you, you know? Um, the arrow tip is still next to his heart. He's still in super pain. So he's looking around, and he goes to pick up Widowmaker, and everybody looks over at them, and then it goes back into the slow motion. No! <laughs> yeah. And as he moves toward it, he's a blur. And that shadow stuff. He picks it up, and like, he snorts. He's like, <laughs> snorts in derision at this thing. Because he realizes there's... It's, it's just a sword now, and he's like, and and he could get a dozen just as good as this sword. You know, it's like he, it's not even that great of a sword without the power. So he just tosses it into the ocean, and the island shakes and keeps sinking. And then Alariel stops crying over Tyrion and puts the plan into motion, which you know, I would put the plan into motion and then go cry. I'm just trying to be practical here. All you got to do is give the word, you know. Mm-hmm. So she basically sends out the word to all of her mages that are all over Ulthuan and they open up all the world routes. She opens all the world routes everywhere at once and basically everybody jumps in and goes back to Atheloran. Well, I mean, not everybody, but they evict thousands and thousands of them. Um, It's funny. Some of them just were like, no, this has been my ancestral home for years and I will stay here even if it drowns. And Okay, I kind of get that. You see those in stories. The ones who are just like, I don't trust them damned wood elves. I ain't going to Atheloran. <laughs> You're going to die. You're like, yep, but I don't trust them wood elves. It's like the, the elvish pride gets in their way. Um, so some of them don't go. But they manage to save a lot of them, including like all the animals and stuff. They save a lot of the white lions and the harpies and the the the, the phoenixes and the manticores. Manticores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I like this. All the waystones are are released, and of course, all those elven spirits are going to wherever it is they go. And Slanesh is just standing there waiting to eat them. And basically, they're coming so fast and furious that he can't eat them fast enough. So basically, like while his mouth is full and he's chewing. The Rephilim show up and basically like steal them all from him. Like, nope, you don't get these. And so now he's really pissed. You know, it says they 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 strip his table bare and brought all those stuff, and they bring them to Eldira. Remember her? And uh, so she's like the, the goddess of the dead. So she starts devouring them, which is basically what Slanesh was doing, but he wasn't doing it to torture them. She's doing it, and they're sort of willingly giving their power for this. Uh, Lilith, who's very weak, gives her some power too, and they build a, what they call a dark realm for elf spirits beyond the sight of the chaos gods, at least for a while. So I don't know if this is a bubble realm or whatever they want to call it, but she basically built a pocket dimension mm-hmm. for all the elven spirits to go to. Comes back into play right at the end page, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So then Lilith, um, uh, and. Lilith connects the world roots in the oak grove, or I mean, not Lilith, Alariel connects the world roots in the oak grove that sprouted up on the Isle of the Dead. 
So she connects that to the to the world roots, that little forest. So then all the elves get in that forest and they get transported. So that little weird forest that popped up for no reason was actually, you know, <laughs> part of her plan or she thought of a plan. I'm certain, you know, I'll need an arrow in someone's back, but <laughs> yeah. You know, when she saw it, she figured it out and did it. Um, Imric, they're telling Teclas to leave at this point, and he's like, "Nope, I can't. I got to stay here with my brother." I'm thinking, bring your brother with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, what the hell? This doesn't. Th- I'm sorry, this doesn't make any sense. I know he's upset. I know he's saddened. I know the plans didn't work, but that's all the more reason to live and go on. Because, and granted, we didn't see a body here. But he basically, as Imric rides away, Teclis, with all for all his frailty, picks up his brother and stands up holding his brother in his arms. And a giant he ain't wave. Heavy, he's my brother. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And uh, this giant wave crashes and carries him away, and he's not seen anymore. And he's like, "No, I, I can't go. I got to stay." I'm thinking, dude, your plan to defeat the gods of chaos didn't work. You need to stick around and come up with another plan. You seem to be the only guy who realizes what the hell's going on. You know, so I don't know. I, I didn't get that. It made me sad that Teclis was gone. I really wanted Teclis to survive. I, yeah. You know. So could just so let's just reflect on that for a moment. Alpha One is just completely sunk. Teclis is, well, Tyrion's dead and Teclis is presumably sank with him. Yep. That's, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's the short of it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, everything. How many years like that, Alpha One and the elves, and that's just... That's gone. I mean, yeah. it's been six thousand years of just civil war. So, yeah, it's I mean, probably for the best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, Alariel's the avatar of life magic, and she heals Athalorn. This is pretty cool. This is a wrap up I enjoyed. Alariel mm-hmm. basically comes in with all that life magic and just heals all the sickness in Athalorn. Um, now it's the home of all the elves. It's the home of life magic and of shadow because of Malekith, which is kind of an interesting thing. Mm. You've got the life magic, and then you've got the, you know, the the still the the brooding emo Malekith, right? <laughs> uh, sort of in there. Um, Alariel heals him, but they can't get that arrowhead out from next to his heart. Um, in fact, where is it? There's uh, page one forty two. It lay near Malekith's heart, its pain with him in every waking moment, but the Phoenix King bore it without complaint, if not without ill temper. <laughs> I keep going from there, yeah, the rest of okay. that. Okay, where once Malekith had ruled ever but one race of elves, now all three peoples looked to him for guidance. None of them loved him, but the Phoenix King was well used to that, and it wearied him not. It was Ulthuan's destruction that troubled Malekith more. For 6,000 years, its domination had been his singular goal. What was he to do now? For the first time in his long life, Malekith was without purpose. I love that. I don't know what to do. You know, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, he's just like, okay, now what? Yeah, like, he's got to do some yeah. some soul searching. And- well, well, the thing is, he would have conquered Elthuan and been, it was like, wait, Elthuan's gone. I mean, I'm, right. I am king of the elves, but it's not what I expected. I don't know what to do. Um, this Then Alethanar and him sort of reach an agreement. Like he shows yeah, that up. That's good. Yeah, this is really cool. They show up and he's like, So you're going to kill me? He's like, Nope. You seem changed. He goes, Maybe we both change. Maybe. But don't mm-hmm. think I won't. And he tells him, Hey, let that arrow next to your heart always be a reminder that I'm watching you. And you know, Malachi's sort of be like, F you. You know, mm-hmm. like there's sort of a. But they're both sort of standing there and he's like, Yeah, okay, whatever, you. And he's like, oh, You know, they, but they basically, Alethanar. 
it's it's as close as you could get to killing Malekith without actually killing him. Like he got right. that urge to kill him out of his system because he got that arrow right into his heart. But it didn't kill him. It, you know, he managed to survive, so he can still lead the elves, which so. he knows they need now. He yeah. knows they need Malekith. So it's that's a, it's a it's a really good passage, and I think Malekith saying the sentence perhaps neither of us are what we used to be. That's just. Yeah, well, because I mean that that comes right on the on the trail of what Chris read. I mean, it's literally the next next lines is him meeting with him. That idea that you know, I don't know what to do. You know? Right. So it's oh, we lost him again. Don't tell me oh. we lost him right now. Chris isn't picking up. Oh, this is not good. Uh-huh. Like ten minutes before I have to leave, I have to call this. I mean, I'll be back later. I mean, I suppose we well, could... no, but it should be. I'd be ideal to wrap it up now while we're here, right? But I mean, the, my our only other option. I mean, I don't want to. God, I don't want to end the show with him not on right. it. And there's literally like five paragraphs left. Well, just Matt. give him a minute. Oh, oh okay. you're back. Okay. Good. What, what? What's that for? Time, man. Yeah, that's yeah, what right? I just said. I'm like, no, no way. We got five paragraphs. <laughs> no. I just. I, was I, go. <laughs> I said to Chris. I was just saying to Chris. I'm like, dude. I'm going to be back around nine. We may have to come back on and have Chris Tomlin come on like in the middle of the, of the yeah. night because we can't end it the last five minutes without you. That's that's right, crap. Right. Oh, duh. I was about to have a coronary. I got to go to the <laughs> yeah, daddy daughter dance. Oh, all right, man. so let's get through here. Okay, so the high elves are all depressed because they lost their home. Billions of elf souls were devoured by Slanesh. Um, that's crazy. You know, uh, millions of elves died in these last few months. Uh, a lot of high elves just committed suicide, which I thought was crazy. Like, mm-hmm. they just couldn't deal with the fact that Ulthuan was gone and they were led by Malekith and all this bad, all their, you know, their, their past, all the elves whose spirits were being saved in these waystones are all eaten by Slanesh. So they just killed themselves. Uh, in fact, the thing that kept a lot of them was watching Imric's, uh, like that stoic determination of Imric and, the, the, and their love for the Ever Queen. But those two things kept them alive. Notice it wasn't Malekith. <laughs> right. You know, uh, still, it's like they're all, every, everyone is a jerk to Malekith at this point. It's like, dude, no, okay, yeah, he couldn't stop Tyrion, but he did a lot for you guys, and you still can't give him the time of day. There's no trust there, you know. Yeah. 6,000 years of bloodshed that he's responsible for, so. Well, and they're probably also, also annoyed because they're all depressed, and you look, and the Dark Elves aren't depressed. They're like, we won! Yeah. Malekith's the king. We did it. And so Malekith actually has to tell them, though, A, yeah, I know how you guys still act. No harming anyone who lives in Atholoran. Because you know these guys are still going to go out on raids and doing their torture, torture. and all their... Torture. They, and- they're doing their Dark Elf stuff. So they just said, well, no problem. And they went to what's left of Bretonia, slaking their cruel passions in human blood. <laughs> That's okay. There's humans real close by. We can. We don't have to kill anyone here. I'm like, yeah. poor Bretonians. Hey, Dark Elves got to relax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is the poor Bretonians would have to lock their doors all spring during the Wild Hunt. Right. Oh, yeah. And now they got to lock their doors 24-7 because the, it's not even the Wild Hunt anymore. The Dark Elves are there. And Malekith's going to let them do it because what does he care? They're just humans. Uh, and it's funny. The Wood Elves weren't too happy that all of these people were living here, but... The Ever Queen said, listen, I'm going to fix Atheloran to the way it used to be. And that was sort of like a trade-off for them. They're like, okay. And they also took comfort in the idea that they were the right ones. Of Hey, 
That what my my elves of the three elves. We were the right ones. You, Tomlin, your elves might have won, and 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 you, your elves. You know, a hey, whatever for your or elves. They're killing themselves. But yeah, you're all committing suicide. Our elves were right. We went to Athelorin. We stayed there. We said, hey, nothing's good. Nothing good's coming in Ulthuan. You guys are fighting over the wrong things. So we were right. And now you guys, uh, now you want to come live with us. Now that you've wrecked your own home, I got you. I see how this goes. Um, so they were content. They were right. There was there are rumors of armies of dryads mustering, but nobody knows what for. So it's like, oh, I guess Drika still doesn't like these guys being here. And now there's even more elves here. Um, but Alaria, like I said, saved with the white lions, the harpies, hydras, dragons, phoenixes, manticores, manticores. Yeah. Um, Medical club, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's all there. Um, the only people who suffered in this are the Beastmen. <laughs> yeah, remember what you said right at the beginning of Nagash. Quickly, it became apparent they were the whipping boys of the end times, mm-hmm. and we just get a nice little nod to that there at the end of the yeah. as well. <laughs> basically, yeah, they had, they forced them into the deepest, darkest parts of Athalorin because now it's like three times the elves here, and you know the dark elves are just loving it. They're like having a good time. High elves are just pissed off at what happened, so they're out there fighting, and it's like the poor beastmen are like, oh crap. <laughs> and then, of course, then they go running and they run into manticores and and hydras and lions. It's like, what the what? You know? <laughs> so, um, but chaos is still rising at this point. So the beastmen herds, even though they're they're getting slaughtered, um, more herds are just taking their place. So, it, what are you going to do? There's just there's there's always going to be some beastmen to kill, and that's pretty much what they're good at at this point is die getting killed. <laughs> Um, okay, so final wrap-up here. At the first full moon, Alariel and Malekith married. Melhandir carries her to the ceremony. So there he is, carrying the Everqueen, making up for carrying Tyrion around all this time. Um, Naeth was supposed to preside over the ceremony, you know, um, Ariel's you know, first, uh, first thing. But uh, instead, Lilith herself, the last survivor of all the elven gods, shows up. And conducts a ceremony. Um, she's so happy to be with her elves. She really does love the elves more, I think, than any of the other gods. She cared so much about their survival. She did all this stuff to make sure they survived, even poisoning some of her own siblings. Mm. Um, and now, you know, she's happy. Eldira's uh, still alive. She doesn't show, though. She's not leaving the realm of the dead. Um, you know, Araloth sees that she's all exhausted, but she's still there. Uh, and so Malekith, this is where he's crowned the Eternity King, because Lilith says, you know, he's immortal, and the Ever Queen is immortal, and uh, they will now rule. And the, you, the, the, you can't call it the Phoenix King, because Assyrian created the Phoenix Kings, and he's gone. His his island is gone. Everything that Assyrian had was gone. So the these two would rule for all the turnings of the world yet to come, which, if you follow the next couple of books, is like six but uh, but so he is the, the he is now the eternity king. Um, she says something to Malekith and Alariel, and nobody hears it. Uh, but they said it's good that nobody heard it because the the party would end and they'd all go back to committing suicide. <laughs> um, so but so while everyone else is celebrating, Malekith and Alariel are sitting there and seeing a future of only ashes and death. And that's. Uh, that's kind of how it ends, except for the fluff page. Tomlin, you want to take what happens in the fluff page here? Yeah, I mean, this is 
this is a bit weird, really. This is sort of the, for the first sort of look at these, this, the new, essentially, a, um, perhaps a new Warhammer world. And we, we talked a lot about cycles and, uh, everything repeating and whatnot. And we've, we remember we saw Araloff see himself as a Syrian before. Um, basically, uh, Araloff and, um, Lily, if they go off for a walk down round to a waterfall, nice and, um, romantic. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, uh, Lilith reveals she's no longer a goddess. She's basically, I mean, I mean initially, <coughs> excuse me, initially in, um, when I was rereading through, I was beginning to think she had sort of, um, selfish motivations, but it, I think you're right. It is clear. She has done this to try and save the elves. And I don't know if it's a case of breaking the cycle. It does seem to me just again, propagating it and it going again. She opens up a tunnel in, uh, some waterfall just, which leads to nowhere apparently. Um, and she, this is when it get, gets a bit weird, weird really. And I, I didn't pick this up until the reread the second time, but, um, she says that th- this tunnel leads to a haven, um, that's been built by Erif Kiel's inheritor, which is of course, uh, Eldera. Yeah. So this is the realm that she's built, um, this haven. With all the elven spirits in it. With all the elven spirits in it. And she's, and it also says as well, uh, it's defended from the dark gods by the spirits of Bretonia's greatest knights. So I don't know if that's going to be become relevant later or if that's something i've i don't really understand the relevance i don't either that at the moment i don't know if that that comes in later on but she tells him that you know this is what i've built you have to go they have a daughter and their daughter is there which araloff is surprised about because he he never knew anything of of that before and he originally he instinctively answers that or replies saying i don't believe you yeah I, what? <laughs> but so what winds up happening here, which I thought was interesting, is she basically says, listen, chaos can't be stopped. All I did was to build this so that we could build another realm and you could hide until this is over and you guys will survive. This world is doomed. And you're like, whoa, whoa. I didn't even really catch that the first time. I thought she was just being a little gloomy to get him to go. Now I realize it's right. So it's because of the cycle. He's got to go. This is always your destiny. And he says, why can't you come with me? She goes, if I go, the dark gods will know I'm there. Because she's still got that goddess yeah. something to her that so they is, can is follow. She, is, she, is she saying that it's a haven that they go to for a time? Or I thought it was, you go here, this is the cycle. You're you're essentially going to become a Syrian. You're the, or you're the new creator. Go start, start afresh. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but basically she's going somewhere where the dark gods can't see him. So I, I mean, I don't know. I can't. I don't. Is this I, this 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 haven in inverted commas? Is this what the new Warhammer world's going to be? I mean, that's that's the initial thing I I took from it, and even going back for it, I still it's it's leaving. Like I say, it leaves it open for any. They could do anything they want with it. They could almost do a complete. They could almost go and say, "This is Araloff's new world." Thousands of years in the line, it's all populated, and it's essentially the Warhammer world again. Yeah, it I mean, almost gives them a complete re- world reset. Mm-hmm. Or, what what is it's it's intriguing and interesting, but it's incredibly vague with it as well. Oh yeah. So I mean, you could take. I mean, it's fun because you could take your own interpretations from it. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, what 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 do you think, Chris, on it? I honestly have no. It could mean anything, really. That's mm-hmm. it's really they're wiping the slate clean. Yeah. They really could rewrite it in any way that they want. And we, yeah. we've seen little hints, you know, with this, the superhuman faction. I presume the, the lore of... Is that, what, is, that what, is that what these spirits of Bretonia's greatest knights? Is that... It could be. Yeah, it could be. 
Do you, do you know? I, I mean, it's it, it's a weird one, and I still find it bizarre that it's Araloff. You know, this character they came out what a year ago or whenever mm. the the Wood Elf book came out, and has has no prior background. So, in fifteen years' time, when a new generation of people are are playing Warhammer and, and podcasting, is is Araloff going to be the big hero that they've been reading about for years? Look, previously, like we. No, I remember when he was just introduced. Yeah, do you know Could what I mean? Be. Like, yeah. is he going to be the, the the new the new Elven poster boy going forward? It's, it's possible. It's, it's, it could it's, be, and at the, the the epic clash at the end, they'll uh, you know summon the spirits of of heroes past, and you'll have Tyrion and Teclas, right? Yeah. I just one thing that's completely out uh, irrelevant, but I, I really need to raise it because I, I was wondering about it. What happened to Caradrian? Because I, I even looked at the list of characters in the final battle, and he's not. An, he's he not died. There. He said no to, uh, to, to, to Tyrion. Remember when he said no? Did he actually die? Yeah. I think, I, yeah, he did no, die. He, yeah. I, I thought, no, because didn't he, he helped uh, Malakif too when he was um, going through the flames, didn't he? He was ho- 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 oh, that's holding right. him up. Maybe he drowned when it, when it went down. I don't know. Weird. Maybe. I don't no, know. I, I don't know. I might have missed that, it. That, that, was just, that, that was just playing on my mind a bit. At the end, I was... I was I was like, why wasn't he in that battle? But, but yeah, um, I, yeah, I really, I really don't know. I, like I say, I find it intriguing. I almost, I think I enjoyed it, it more maybe the first time the last page because I was, it was really sort of getting the juices going, what it's all about. Now sort of knowing some of what we do um, and it's maybe a little too vague. Maybe I, I, it's almost not giving you enough to really formulate anything at the moment. Maybe by the time um, we've got through Archeon that um, it will... Um, uh, yeah, it'll come a bit clearer, but hey ho, we could so, go on forever and not yeah. really get anywhere. So, can we? I, I really loved it. I really, this was really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not happy that the elves are all destroyed, um, but wow, what a what a sort of epic ending to that. I mean, you 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 had to have something this big happen. It was a six thousand year war, right? <laughs> you know, you couldn't just end it like, oh yeah, he, he wins. You know, there was no way to end this in a satisfactory way without lots of destruction. It was. Just, I thought this was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I at this point, the destruction, I think, is warranted. I mean, like I say, knowing what we know now about the way it ends, it seems a bit wanton and uh, reckless and unnecessary. But for this, I think it's it works and it, it works well. The one, one final thing on that last beat, I know a lot of people have said about um, loads of elves going through with Aralof. It is clear that it's just him at that point, though, and his child. Yeah. And loads of spirits. Exactly. But yeah. All right. So that's it. We have to wrap up, guys. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I just, no worries. So, everyone, thanks for listening to the wrap-up of Kane. We really hope you've enjoyed it. Chris, thank you so much for coming on and the last three books really being, our, you know, the third chair really makes it nice. With the yeah, no, I've, loved, I've loved it. It's been, uh, it's been, yeah, a real honor to come on and, and be a part of the show with you guys. So, yeah, I've really, really enjoyed doing it. And Kane was obviously the one that I was, I was really itching to, to mm-hmm. get at. So, yeah, been been an awful lot of fun. So, it's just thanks again. And ho- hope everyone enjoys listening as much as I enjoyed sort of being a part of it, really. Absolutely. And you're welcome back anytime. So. Yeah. Fantastic. And seriously, right. there's a contest. We need a good, an awesome looking Manticore Club. Manticore Club. <laughs> International <laughs> Manticore Club. You, I don't care. You can come up with a clever name, but it's got to have the words International and Manticore Club on it. And uh, the winner's going to get a, a box set of um, Dead Zone. It's a, a, dude, that's a $100 game. 
That's, that's ridiculous. Amazing. <laughs> I'm giving that away for, but we need a logo that's good enough that I could get a damn shirt it's a t-shirt. made. Yeah, exactly. So me and Tomlin can make shirts. <laughs> oh, you, have you have some secret handshake or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, all right. So that's it. So, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, positive, positive, positive. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm positively sick of all this. I hate this game forever. <laughs> Everyone, this game. And hey, the, the best, part is, oh. best part is it's only half ten at night, not half five in the morning. So yeah, yeah there you go. Well, yeah. it's four thirty-five here, and if I don't get going and get dressed right now, I'm going to be late for the daddy-daughter dance with my nine-year-old for the Girl Scouts. So I got yeah, it. It will be the end times. So <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, except, except it won't be anything as grand and wonderful as a big sword fight. It'll be a frying pan against my head and an ignominious backyard rabbit. burial. So, oh. All right. So, folks, thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks, so uh, either Cheers, with Thankful or with, well, if not with Thankful, then with some uh, some fun hobby gaming. So, Absolutely. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye, Bye now. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening. closed his eyes, recalling the vision he had seen at Haladra of his own face revealed beneath the Syrian's mask. At last, he knew the vision's meaning, but there was no joy at the revelation, only anger. Before he died, Val warned me that you were keeping things from me. You once said that I was to be a hero to lead the elves in the coming darkness. How can I do what you ask and honor that path? This was always your destiny, Lilith replied softly. I have but helped you on your way. I wish I could forever walk with you beneath the trees of Athalorn, but such was never to be our fate. The goddess's sorrowful tone extinguished Aeroloth's anger like an icy wind. You cannot join me, can you? No. If I leave, the dark gods will follow me, and everything that we have suffered for will have been in vain. Besides, my place is here, with this world. I walked upon its hills as the first light dawned, and I will stay and fight for it as long as I am able. But you said victory was impossible. And so it is. Though Teclis believes otherwise, said Lilith sadly. But whilst mortal strength cannot vanquish the Dark Gods, it can leave them so weakened that it will be millennia before they threaten you. And our daughter's name? Choose it well, for names have a great power. Aeroloth stood silently for a long time, struggling to bring order to his thoughts. In the end, 
he realized that he believed Lilith's words, and he knew that he could not abandon his child, even one he had never known. I will do as you ask, he said at last. Without a word, Lilith stepped forward and put her arms around Aeroloth one final time. Time passed. How much? Aeroloth could not be sure. Then at last, the moment could be put off no longer. Scaring at his side, Aeroloth drew away from the embrace and walked into the tunnel of mist and spray. Darkness enveloped him, and he saw nothing more. <laughs>